sure. I'll talk it out. Yeah. Let's just have a conversation. Track three. <clears throat> Better not be fucking Dave Matthews band. Okay. Those of you who don't want to be a part of this can leave now. Derek, please listen to me. But if you choose to stay, which it seems like you guys are choosing. Derek, please. You understand and agree to the following terms and conditions. Derek! One. Derek, this is the virus. You talking. hereby waive your right Derek, please. to your own personal bodily integrity. This is not you. Two. Per the state versus Neville Reed. My colleague and I will not be held criminally liable for any felony or misdemeanor that you may be a victim of, including, but not limited to, aggravated assault, aggravated battery, disorderly conduct, destruction of property, mayhem, and first-degree murder. And three, terms and conditions may change or be updated whatever the fuck I want! Consider yourselves notified. All right, you primitive screwheads, listen up. I got news for you, pal. You ain't leading but two things right now. Jack and shit. Jack left town. Well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. I was just in my office and I heard a rush. Describe the ruckus, sir. Does this mean we're not friends anymore? What up, everyone? DJ Anubis. And DJ Neko. She's back. I'm back. I'm back. Been 92 days on the ship, but I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. I'm back. She's back. And we're happy to have her back. It's been it's, a long time. It was. And I feel like a little puppy because I've been up DJ Anubis's ass 24-7. I really have. I, I missed him. Alive, like last night we're in the basement which is the metal tavern lair and um, lair. It's just, we have a, we do have a really cozy futon so there's like blankies and pillows and stuff but it was it was getting later and I started falling asleep and he's like why don't you just go up to bed? I'm like no I just want to be near you. <laughs> 
much to the chagrin of Miss Kitty to rather be near me. I know. <laughs> My cat doesn't even like me anymore. I think she's senile. I mean, she is laying right next to us, but she's old. She's she's 19, and I, I have a feeling she is, like, a little senile, and she's a very sweet, nice cat, so when I went to pet her when I first got home, she was like, that's nice, thank you, and... I just don't think she recognized me, but it's been a little bit better the last couple of days. Like when I was brushing her, she was like, oh yeah, you're the brushing one. That's mm -hmm. right. You brush me all the time. Yeah, oh, okay. yeah the other thing doesn't groom me. Mm -hmm. You brush me. I do. I love brushing her. Cause Actually, it's... I did brush Miss Kitty a couple of times. Yeah, you showed me. She sheds so much. Um, I actually got the Ferminator out. And I ordered this new uh, brush that's supposed to be like super soft and also like... We went to the pet store today. We were just, I mean, it's nothing exciting because the first, I got home kind of late Tuesday and, uh, which is good because my flight, including layovers overall was, I don't know, almost like 20 hours. And, um, so it was long and I didn't sleep great on the plane, which is fine. It happens. When I got home, I took a shower, and I'm like, I'm not even going to unpack. I'm still, I still have shit everywhere, but I wanted to just take a shower and try to, like, unwind, and we went to bed, I guess, at, like, midnight, and every day, it seems like we've been doing stuff or getting the house in order. We cleaned out the basement. We got a new light in the yeah, basement. That's yeah. big excitement right there. Which and, is probably don't have it on right now. I should. Do you want me to turn it on? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but yeah, it's, it's good to have her back. I do need to correct something real quick. Um, oh! Let there be light. Uh, on the last episode with the Maryland Death Fest special thing, that was supposed to be this week. But because my weeks are off, I thought Maryland Death Fest was last week. So I had done that show thinking that Hordes of Chaos would be after the fact. So actually... By the time you all hear this on Wednesday, this will be the week of Maryland Death Fest. So, but, you know, it's okay. It's all out of order, but I just wanted to correct that because I initially had thought Maryland Death Fest was going to be last week, so my weeks were off. And you know what? It's me coming back. I, I threw a wrench into everything. We knew I was going to be back in May. Um, at one point, it was like, oh, it's going to be like May the 8th. And then another point, it was like, oh, first, initially, it was like, April 31st or 30th and then it just kept get, getting pushed and we when we finally got the okay to go to port my boss was actually on the ship with me he was uh, working with me and he's like if you want to get off now's the time to get off and I'm like he and I both were like Fung! as soon as we got into port we're like, I don't think he ever said bye to anybody he's just like we gotta go oh we did I, I said goodbye <clears throat> and you know how I am I'm like hugging everybody I didn't say goodbye to Nick though but Nick and I work in the same office so like I'll definitely see him again soon well anyway today we have a couple of movie reviews one mm -hmm. Nick didn't get around to watching but the other one she did uh, and then we have a concert review uh, as I stated in the last episode, the one before, I'm cutting the topics down to at least three uh, per episode instead of four, just because we tend to really drag on longer. Especially when I'm home, like, <coughs> when I'm not home, the shows are three hours. When I'm home, they're five hours, so. Yeah, so, I mean, even if we just find a happy meeting between, like, three and a half, four hours is fine, but uh, it was getting pretty lengthy there. And I know people enjoy the content, but for our sake, we got 
a lot of shit to do a lot of times, so we have to kind of be reasonable with our shows. We don't want to bore you either. Like. Right. But, I mean, I think the topics we give are pretty good, so... They are? I'm not saying they're not. I'm just saying, like, I know from my own personal experience, because I was trying to keep up with my my personal podcasts that I like, and, and uh, Hordes of Chaos and the Rock and the Hard Place, um... It's hard to keep up with all of them sometimes, especially, mm-hmm. like, I know I had time to, like, work out or go for walks or, when I say walks, I mean, like, I go for a walk around the, the ship. And, um, you know, while I'm working, sometimes I can put in my, my headphones and work, um, as long as we're not using any heavy machinery and stuff, so it'd be like, but it's hard, even for me, who I purposely made tried to keep on top of all of the shows so but we do appreciate so much everyone who listens yeah and if you have any suggestions or topics or if you want to say that movie reviews yeah I know <clears throat> while Neko was out uh kevin tarant our one of our biggest fans he gave me a movie to review uh and you know we didn't really agree on it he liked it a lot more than i did but, oh really yeah but it's you know that's fine he that was, happens yeah uh well, okay, so yeah, this week is my own death fest, so I am going to try to get some music listened to in the next couple of days. Uh, we have our friend Jason Rez coming Wednesday. Also, our friend Daniel, he's not staying with us, but we're going to meet up with him on Wednesday. So, it's like really crazy. We know we're going to be like super busy and... But we probably won't have an episode posted next week, so... Because we're not going to have a lot of time the rest of this week coming up to really, you know, do a show. So it's going to have to be kind of like the following. Oh my god, you know what we should do? We should take that little recorder. I have it. Yeah, and just... And that would be some of the things we'll be throwing into that episode that we do with the follow-up. Because we could probably just wander around and ask people, like, what's your favorite band? Mm -hmm. And that would be fun, right? Mm -hmm. Do you give permission? First we have to ask them, do you give permission for us to use your little quip or whatever? But I... That's... The Maryland Death Fest has kind of been our thing for years. And this is supposed to be the very last one. They said that this is going to be the last like iteration. This this extreme, this very large festival. Next year, um, they're not planning the Maryland Death Fest or the Netherlands Death Fest or the California Death Any of the Death Fests um, that this group started. And I think part of it was COVID canceled it twice. And it's starting to cost them more money to run these festivals than it is then they're making back like they're not even breaking even they're losing money I well they were already starting to have issues because that's you know they said well edison lot we thought that would draw more people but it turns out that's more expensive so then we moved it back indoors for <clears throat> which neck and i really liked we liked that it was all like within yep. one block of each other yep. everything yeah so you didn't have to go very far uh but now Yesterday I was freaking out because they have a shuttle buses which these guys have rented buses, school buses, to take people back and forth because it's like, you know, it's not excessively long, but it's probably about four or five blocks from the Edison lot to where Soundstage and Ramshead is, but... It's also hot. Yep, very. It's hot right now. It's 91 degrees outside. And on top of that, like... It's all about trying to make it there, and, and they they do space it out because you know bands need time to set up and everything. However, but it is just still close because like you know we're gonna go see No Moss at Soundstage and then we immediately we gotta zip back over to Edison Lot. Yeah, because rest of everything that we want to see is down there. Now there are different 
like Bram's Head's got stuff going on, but we just had to kind of select which bands we want to see where. And then right in Power Plant, it's like an old power plant, if you guys haven't figured that out. Um, outside is where all the vendors are, so that you have like a bunch of tents and stuff. Like right outside of Soundstage, there's a ton of bars, so you can always have like food and drink anywhere. Over at Edison Lot, it's literally like a, mun- it's a big parking lot. Yeah, it's a municipal parking lot where people park and like take the train or park and and do like ride shares and stuff. So they have it set up, but it's literally like a festival. It's porta potties. You're getting food trucks, um, which we really do like that one barbecue place. <laughs> um, it's nice that they brought it back. They really, I think they did that because, you know, they couldn't do it for two years. They wanted to draw as many people as possible. They told everybody, like, if we do any kind of death fest, it's going to be, like, nothing on this level. It's not going to happen. Like, it's, Probably it's, back to Bare Bones, like, when they first started. They were out of a smaller venue back <laughs> They then. were in this shithole, and I, I said to him, and he was, I said, I'm not going over to Brooklyn in a shitty-ass club and have my car, like, stolen. Yeah. And he, he just laughed at me. But it's a big deal for us. We haven't had it for two years. And the year before that, in 2019, um, he and I had made plans to go, but we didn't, like, buy tickets. And um, right before it was time to go, my my boss had approached me and said, would you like to do a job? And it was a nice job. It wasn't super long. And it was, you know, out of Hawaii. So that's really nice. And... I asked Anubis, I'm like, you know, what do you think about death fests? He was like, nobody's coming to visit. I really don't have to go. Um, there was a particular area where there's, you know, there were some decent bands, but nobody else was really dying mm-hmm. to see. Most of them I'd probably already seen. <clears throat> so it was just that one year. So really since 2009, we've seen everyone except for one year, which we're okay with. Oh, earlier than 2009, I thought. Mm-hmm. No, 2009. That was when Eric and all them. I thought it was 2007. Mm. Whatever. But, uh, yeah, so anyway, Neko's also, she went and bought these blue diamond almonds the other day. This is not related to her being out or anything. I was just out shopping. And uh, they actually have some really good ones. They're, They're extremes. And one was like a cayenne pepper. And this other one's Carolina Reaper. Here, give me another one of them. So... Uh, I have a pretty strong tongue. Like I haven't done a YouTube video in a while, but I need to get Neko to do the uh, Hot Ones taste test that I did a while back for some of y'all because I said I was going to do that. See, I still think that the um, the Cayenne one was hotter than this one uh-huh. because it's not that bad. And the Cayenne one was actually more flavorful than the Carolina Reaper one. They both taste good to me, but this Carolina Reaper is like... He's a, like, oh, my tongue! I need water! But I had, like... She had two now. She's had two. I had, like, maybe ten, twelve. Okay, yeah, and I'm also eating wasabi yeah. as well, so... All right, let's get anyway. our first block of music. Uh, brand new stuff from Horse Nation, who's going to be at MDF this year. Woo-hoo. Also got new stuff from Misery Index, as well as Fear out of Poland. This is a great band. I haven't heard anything from them in quite a while. This is called The Age of Contempt from Sphere. Sphere.
Wow. Yeah, wow. So if you don't know, uh, I did an interview with the band Nomos a couple weeks ago. So for those of you that are always enjoying those get-togethers, Neko wasn't here, unfortunately, for that. But I know. I was like, can't you wait, like, four more days? He's like, yeah, no, they're going on tour. And they were just recently in um, Richmond. Yeah, so it, that's the thing. It's, like, kind of tight. So they had to fit us in when they could. I mean, they're always welcome back here anytime. These guys are our friends. and So we don't mind even just hanging out with them. So Anubis has known John longer than he's known me yeah. and he and i um we met 20 years ago next month in june we met 20 years ago and so he and john he we have been big fans of all of john's projects and nomas just seems to be really taking off and they're so damn talented i swear yeah a lot of fun uh cool guys uh very humble they'll talk to anybody and Big time partiers, state, that's for sure. Uh, they, oh my god, remember when we went to the auto bar and Roger in those fucking shorts? Oh, we made we made jokes about that in the uh, interview. I was like, because I was surprised he wasn't wearing them at that point. But uh, He's like, yeah, I've been wearing these shorts for a week. I'm like, oh my god. And everyone's like, yeah, you know, it's time to like wash those, uh, Roger, or get new ones. Yeah, come on, Roger. But they had just been on tour during that time, too, and they were kind of circling back to Baltimore. Autobar is a very great place to um, see bands. We've seen a couple of bands there. It was really odd, though, because it was kind of like... I'm trying to think when this was. It was during COVID, but it's in Baltimore City. So Baltimore City was a little bit more strict than most places with the COVID regulations. You had to have your vaccine or show proof of a negative test. So we both had our cards, but they also made you wear a mask the whole time. But I'm sitting here thinking it's a bar like and we're all sweating on each other and breathing on each other and every time you would take a drink if you didn't pull your mask up like immediately they'd be over please pull your mask up please pull it. and i get it because they really wanted to have the concert and they didn't want anybody complaining and they didn't want um like someone from the city to just jump in and say hey 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 if you can't control your people then you're not you know you're not going to be able to have concerts here during covid but it was kind of crazy, but we'd seen other bands there, too. It was kind of like a, was it a black metal festival? Remember when we went up on the second tier? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, that was for um, Archcoat and a couple other ones, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. And we, I mean, I, I really enjoy the auto bar a lot. It's just, first of all, have fun parking there, because there's, <laughs> there's, people's personal like it, it, the city is a crazy crazy mishmash and there's only like four parking spots at the auto bar so usually like what we've learned in life and because uber is so easy we just uber especially if it's into the city because parking is so complicated but there have been times we go to the auto bar and it's like all right we're gonna park but if you park you think you're parking in the auto bar's parking lot but it's not it belongs to the people who live in the in the townhomes behind the auto bar and they have a big sign you will get towed we will tow you like they don't play we around will tow your ass. we will tow your ass so that's the pros and cons of the auto bar like and there's also other you know we're getting ready to go to soundstage and ramshead and all for a maryland death fest there are some great parking garages however for $24 a day. It just can't beat it. But at that point, why would I even come and park and like 
worry about drinking and driving or trying to move my car around if we're going from venue to venue when it's going to cost for us to Uber $24 anyway. So it's that I God bless Uber, man, because I obviously taxi cabs have been around since the beginning, you know, the beginning of time, but a lot of cabs, especially around here, they were very specific. I don't leave Dundalk. I don't leave Essex. Right. I don't go downtown. So you would get a cab, you'd call for a cab, and you're like, okay, I, uh, I want to go to XYZ, and they're like, I don't go downtown. So you have Uber, and you put in your destination, or Lyft, whatever you know, rideshare company that you're using, you put it in there, and they can make the decision. Do I want to take this person to wherever and mm -hmm. it's it's kind of fun that i mean i've heard lots of different things like i we've never driven or or dealt with uber but there the last two people that we had are um when we went out the other night to see blackwater holy light both of them had like over ten thousand rides mm -hmm. and they were both super nice and we're enjoying ourselves and having you know little chit chats and stuff so that's where we're going with this. Sorry, I'm queen of the tangent. No, that's okay. Uh, we went to see Blackwater Holy Light. <laughs> yeah, we saw them over at the Metro Gallery, which was where we saw Pig Destroyer and No Moss uh, a couple <gasps> years ago. That's right. That's where that was, at Metro Gallery. Um, and it's a nice little venue. It's, it's Neko kind of place. It's kind of an arty thing. Um, you could tell there's a lot of hipster people there because the type of music that... Blackwater, Holy Light, and Bleak Heart. And I, there was an opening band. I think I can't was remember Roar. the name. Start with an A, but I can't remember it. But they all had like a, a kind of similar vibe, which was good. Which is what you want for that type of show. Uh, Bleak Heart, interesting enough, they did kind of catch my attention. I didn't know they were out of Denver, Colorado. Um, but they had like this dual female vocal uh, thing going on. It reminded me a little bit of Heart in a way. Uh, the music's not really like heart, but just the way they were uh, harmonizing together. And it does have that kind of like um, psych rock and doom thing going on, which is what Blackwater Holy Light is as well. It was a perfect, like, I haven't been to a concert in a while. And, you know, I just literally, I got home 9.30 p.m. on the 17th, and this was the 20th. Mm -hmm. So I had... The 18th, what did I do? Sleep till 4? Like, I was exhausted. Yeah. It was just the perfect thing for us to... And it was just, like, a perfect date. You know, we're just chilling, and there's not a lot of, like... Because we go to a lot of metal concerts, clearly, there wasn't, like, a lot of sweat and, and people, like, crowds. It was... Like, people brought their kids, and the kid was having a good time. Um, the, the little girl, remember? Yeah. She had, um, she had her <clears> earmuffs, on. earmuffs on, and she's, like, dance because it is very sm small and very loud. Yeah. And it's really, one really cool thing I liked about Metro Gallery, and I always have, is um, it is a gallery. But there's different artists that showcase their work there, and this month it was a photographer. And there was all kinds of really cool, like... Um, it looked like local Baltimore landmarks that they were photogra photographing. <laughs> photographing. Photographing. Now you sound like me. That's great. <laughs> See, folks? It's not just me. They were photographing. <laughs> Jesus. Jesus Christo. But we go in there. Super easy. No lines. 
everybody was chill. Oh, hey, can you show me your tickets? Oh, hey. And we actually can't even wait till the last moment because I thought by the time we got there, we'd probably be hitting up where uh, Blackwater Holy that was saying. Because I didn't know much about their opening bands. I just didn't really care that much or they didn't know them. But we got there before even the first band took place. So <laughs> even leaving as late as we did. We, we, we cruise in. They have huge areas for um, for the size of the place. They have a nice huge area for the bands to set up their merch. So the bands are setting up their merch. We're looking at everything. I am so distraught that I've gotten so fat because I wanted that, that Blackwater Holy Light hoodie. And it was just slightly... I mean, I guess I could have squeezed my fat ass into it, but you don't want to buy something that you can't enjoy and that's what's cool about the guy behind the counter he's like yeah you know you, you can go on the website he directed us to a website in case because there was a shirt too uh but yeah so you know what's cool about bleak Card is uh going back to them their their debut record i guess is called dream griever so i was thinking dream weaver from, uh, oh, dream. yeah so so that's kind of a cool little, I don't know if that was done on purposely to kind of play with the name or what, but uh, they sounded pretty good. Uh, even the first band wasn't super bad. Uh, I, I, forget, I forget who they were, so much apologies to them. But uh, So, yeah, Bleak Heart was out of Denver, Colorado. They're touring with Blackwater Holy Light. Uh, and De Blackwater Holy Light is out of the Pacific Northwest. Yeah, they're Portland. from Portland, yep. And they play a form of psychedelic rock and heavy and a little bit of doom. And we have to we have to point out it is an all female band. Yep. They're very very good and so like they're so stylish and I don't think they mean to be stylish on purpose, but like all of their it's very uh, I don't know how to put it. It's not like they're walking around in like high fashion couture or whatever, but like the keyboardist, she no, had they were that like t-shirts. Yeah, and the keyboardist had that really cool haircut. She yeah, she had this like 1960s type dress with a short. It wasn't even a pixie cut, but it was kind of like a shag. Yeah. Um, and she had these boots on that were awesome, and the dress had like side cutouts, and they. Uh, that I, was Sarah McKenna. Uh, synthesizer. She played the keyboards. Uh, Allison Sonny Ferris is the bass vocalist, which interesting between Allison and the guitarist Michaela, uh, who plays guitar. I, I noticed early on Allison was playing the bass, which is what she was known for. But then about after two songs, her and Michaela ch changed. She went to guitar and Michaela went to the bass. Oh, really? Yeah. And then, of course, Elise Dorsey, who's uh, been with the band since 2019. There's some other former. Uh, Drummer. Yeah, before that. But Elise Dorsey, which, you know, at first I wasn't really catching on. And then I looked as she was playing. I was like, dude, she's wearing a violence t-shirt. Mm -hmm. I was like, that's fucking sweet. You didn't see that? Not initially. Oh, she was standing, like, right next to us at the bar. Yeah. And I noticed the shirt. And I was like, oh, wow, somebody's wearing a violence. And I didn't realize at the she time. She was in the band, yeah. yeah. that she was in the band. And, I, and she was really cool. Like, she had these cool glasses on. And that's what I mean. Like, these girls look like cool like, they look young too like they probably are yeah. i mean i'm 41 they're probably 21 yeah 25 easily. uh definitely look young um but they seem really nice you know they, they're very friendly i didn't really chat them up or anything not trying to be the creep i know <laughs> i know and they were standing out while we're waiting. normally i could go and say hey can i get a photograph or i might have had them sign this poster i got but i was like you know i'm just not gonna haggle them tonight they were standing outside i think waiting for their bus because we were um outside waiting for the uber and they were out front too and i'm like hey there's a band oh and i didn't want to bother them because they were just like 
Yeah, they're they trying were, to smoke and have I, a the, talk. You could tell that they were really happy with the show because they were just talking amongst each other and I guess like their boyfriends and friends and stuff and they're like, oh wow, I'm so glad you came and oh, thank you so much. It was a really great show. I just, I like hearing stuff like that. Yeah, well that's gotta be a thing because like, you know, you're out back on tour and they had to cancel 2020 so it's just like no much. You're hoping that people just show up uh, for these shows because you just don't know what it's going to be like and you know, people need to get back out there and do all this and that. Um, the band, uh, their discography so far, uh, they just released uh, Silence in Motion last year. Uh, before that, you have Veils of Winter and Blackwater Holy Light, the self-tired the, uh, debut that I had those two first ones on vinyl. Uh, we did get some merch. We got some stickers and that little poster I talked about. I also got hot sauce. That That's right. Have. We're going to use it in the next batch of chili. Yeah, so we're going to try that and see how that goes. I, there was one moment where I was standing while Neko was running to the restroom. I was standing by the front door waiting, and the drummer we talked about, she was with her boyfriend. I was kind of looking over the hot sauce, and I did notice they were looking at me, and I don't know if they were smiling about it or not, but uh, I was like, yeah, I'm going I'm to have to give this a whirl and see what it's like, but... Uh, very friendly. The guy behind the counter who runs their merch was a very nice guy. Uh, very into it as well. I saw him leave the uh, table a couple times and go rock out with the band. Uh, so, you know, it's good to see that. So overall, what did you think of the music? Because um, I know, I mean, you've heard them on some of my shows before, but not really live. I think because I like it's not this style of music is not my like number one it's but it's not bad so don't think i'm like you have to understand you do have to it's a very laid back night mm -hmm. it wasn't like moshing or anything you're just chilling and listening to it but. and that's why i was saying it was like a perfect like intro back to being in society night with with you and i because being away you do get kind of institutionalized and i know that's not nice to say but you do like the, the food is the same every day at the same time you wake up the same time you're doing the same job every day and 92 days is a long time so like he it's perfect chill like i'm sure if you want to smoke a joint and lay back or you know i i know the girls are not promoting doing drugs but it feels like psychedelic granted it was a really good show everything about it was was amazing i i mean i'd see them again in a heartbeat and i know you really really just when you discovered this band you're like wow i can't believe like yeah. they they just they are very young and well it's just one of those things like, they're just like very polished for being as young as they are and i i love seeing things like that when you well i like, talk about a lot in my rock shows that you know I, I come across a lot of these modern bands like this and you know they're whether directly or indirectly, they're kind of paying homage to the classic rock of the 70s and the 60s. And so, like, when I hear some of these bands, I'm like, you know, it's cool because they got their own flair, but it sounds so much like, you know, that that era. And I like, you know, I grew up in the 70s. And even though I'm the 80s kids, I grew up as a young kid in the 70s, mm -hmm. and I was always listening to the radio. So I immediately got drawn into the Eagles and... Gary Wright and you know uh, Steve Miller band stuff like that. So when you hear stuff like this, you're like, oh wow, that's really cool. They're doing that. And these girls, uh, even for Bleak Heart, in my opinion, they had some really beautiful voices. Like it was just really nice 
and they have some great voice work and uh you just you just look at these pictures because i'm on their instagram right now like what i'm saying like they look cool like look at this picture of them like in front of the uh classic car and it's just amazing they've got this whole lineup you know after us they went to philly they're going to brooklyn boston they're going to montreal toronto um, two shows in Ohio. Yeah, so they just got done doing Philly last night. Mm-hmm. So tonight they'll be in New York, I believe. Yeah, Brooklyn. I'm looking, yeah, so they're booked through June, which is awesome because, you know, COVID sucked and really... And see, that's a funny thing. Like, I don't know, like, I don't even know how it always works, but they're coming from the other side of the coast. Mm-hmm. Now, there's another band that fucking... Uh, Portland, and I wish would make their asses out here, and that's Oxygen Destroyer. I know, but you know, Oxygen Destroyer... I'm telling Jordan Farrell all the time, get your ass over here. I I think Oxygen Destroyer is kind of like Pig Destroyer, where, yeah, and they've got, like, both bands have very big followings, but they also have families and day jobs, so when they go on tour, it's either locally... Or they make it, like, a very short... Because Pit yeah. Destroyer's been in, in Europe. Like, yeah, right, yeah. I, I think Jordan and them, they actually have gone as far as maybe the Midwest for something, like Colorado or something I think they've been to. But, uh, yeah, I just... I really wish they would make their way to Maryland at least once so I can just say, like, a song. <laughs> what you're going to have to do is find out um, when their next, like schedule is and well hopefully as COVID gets under control more and everything hopefully bands start coming back I mean we see it now like unfortunately when I talked about my uh, MDF special how I really wanted to see Dismember at MDF because that's a band I never saw and they, they're legendary in the death metal community uh, but they didn't come because they didn't want to get vaccines or whatever it was mm-hmm. it's like the whole nonsense thing but well, some people, like... And that's right. And I told I said at the time, it, it's their right to do that. But it's like, those are the frustrating things as a fan because I really want to see this band. But, like, you know... It's not so much that, too, um, with the vaccines, etc. The U.S. is very... Um, we have three vaccines that we recognize, basically. But there's lots of other vaccines. So I think people coming into the U.S., they kind of run into that but i i was leaving out of oman nobody even looked to see if i got a pcr test nobody cared right nobody gave two shits and i don't know if it was because i am an american citizen with an american passport flying into america nobody cared no i I didn't wear a mask nothing so i i i think because everything is kind of um calming down maybe it's going to be a little easier for bands to get in and out of the country. Right. Just because before it was, and it's always difficult to get a visa, especially if you're, you're a band playing, you have to get a visa, like a work permit. So you're working. Then with COVID, they were like, okay, you need to have these vaccines and you have to have your PCR test and you have, like, it was just a problem. Devin, how many times did like then they finally canceled it? And I'm like just heartbroken because my mom, she's really sad. She bought that for you for Christmas, I believe. Did she get a refund? She did, but it it's like they kept postponing it, and my mom would send us emails like, 
oh, it's postponed again, oh, it's postponed again, oh. And then finally she sent it. Didn't they Didn't they cancel Mashuga too? And you yeah. had the Mashuga. She bought him. Th- my mom does that for, for uh, DJ Anubis. She'll buy him tickets to stuff because... Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, it's very it, nice for her to do that. Exa- it's, but it's, it's tough during this whole COVID mm-hmm. thing because you just... Everything's unpredictable. I mean... Fucking, I for me, I thought we would never get to see Nomos at MDF. <laughs> like, I was really getting worried mm-hmm. uh, the way things were going. So, you know, the fact that this is probably going to be the last one, at least till 2024, I think they said. But if it is the last one, I mean, at least I can say, because I had been pushing for these guys to be get on MDF and play it. Because, uh, you know, I really want them to do well. I want people to know about them. I want them to expose to as many people as they can. So, uh Hopefully this works out for them to help them out even more. But yeah, you know, COVID changed a lot of things, and now we're just now starting to kind of get back in some sort of regular order. Hopefully, I mean, I don't like saying normal or regular or anything like that because I think this whole COVID thing is is kind of an eye opener for everyone. Um, it was really serious in some places that, uh, and for, for people who were sick and had, you know, pre-existing conditions, but like in some places, highly populated places where they're not quite as, uh, they're clean, I guess is the best way to put it. Like there's just, it, it did like India, mm-hmm. big deal in India. Um, I, their, their, uh, their method of like, waste and stuff is a lot different than here. I mean, we, I've known everybody has pretty, I, except for you and I, you and I, knock on wood, we've never gotten it. And we have not, we've had to work the entire time during COVID. I've had to travel out of the country during COVID and he works for Amazon. So we always have been working and we have been very fortunate not to get it. I'm hoping, you know, now that they're saying that these next variants are are less, like, you know, they're more like having a a flu or or the colds that we get, like the seasonal colds. So hopefully, but it was really eye-opening to see, like, a lot of people were rightfully so scared, but, like, everything, time stood still. Like, everything closed, and you saw what yeah, the only Havoc. bonus at that time for me was there was less people on the road. <laughs> you were way busier, though, remember? You were, oh, they yeah. even asked you to work, like, extra days during the week. Yeah. But it's so easy to see how, like, you can throw a wrench into the entertainment business. Like, Broadway. These are Broadway, like, it's what you aspire to as a singer, dancer, like, stage performer. All of that shut down for two years so you have these people who are worked so hard for this like elite established career they lose it and then but they're also expected to stay on top of their game because boom as soon as they're allowed to open you have the rockets um the, the ballet schools and stuff now you're seeing like all these poor like i don't want to say poor god that sounds terrible these these unfortunate you know smaller venues and smaller bands that they had to close or they shut down they're like we're just not going to do it anymore because we can't we can't we just cannot handle this Mm -hmm. so i i'm really happy to feel like 
we're more in a place things are getting better people are not getting as sick from covid at least in the u.s and around here and um but it's just we've had friends that had to close down their stores and stuff it's just Hopefully, we as a society realize how important it is to support, like, because all these bands are small businesses. We just went to a small business today and spent more money to buy <laughs> stuff for the rabbits than if I would have ordered it, which I don't mind because you like the place. You know, you we want to keep, we want to see these small businesses. and we Aside have, for a few things. Yeah, we're not going to even get into that. Um... <laughs> You had to bring it up. No, I wasn't We're even not thinking getting about it. We're not I wasn't even thinking it. about it. So my, my, my bottom line is like all of these uh these bands are essentially small businesses too. And they got wrecked during COVID. I've seen other bands Well that's the thing about metal. Uh you know, they already struggle to compete with say pop and hip hop and everything else in the mainstream world. So now you're asking with COVID hitting, how much harder it hits them, even more now than even before. So, yeah, so it, it's a it's a problem. Like you know, when people aren't coming out as it is, and you know, you're scarcely. Sometimes you'll pay play a, a venue with like ten people, and we've been. We Vader. Saw, we I'm saw, wearing Vader, my Vader shirt. Oh, what's on my we shirt? We did Vader a few years ago, probably about ten or fifteen years ago. We went and saw him, and there was, was only so about more. twenty people in there. And they acted like there was a hundred people in there. And, they, I, and, that, the, and I love that. And that's the brilliance of the the good band that you have up there because if the band knows that it's kind of a slow night, they still come out full force playing. Enslaved like Enslaved was kind of small too. Where yeah, it the, was actually. What was the enslaved poster? Where'd you move that to? Uh, oh, was that in the hallway? Yeah. So it was. It was for his birthday, and it was like the middle of the week. It was a Wednesday or something, and we get. And this is a larger venue too, wasn't it? Soundstage. Mm -hmm. So it holds quite a few. We've been in Soundstage. The Static X concert was so. I think they oversold it. It was so <sighs> packed that Anubis actually passed out from heat yeah. and I had a, I, I was not good that when that happened but I um we went to soundstage and I think there was maybe 30 people to see Enslaved which blew my fucking mind because Enslaved is amazing and they do command a larger audience this is why they're at soundstage it's a bigger venue we even didn't we even uh, pop for the the VIP section mm -hmm. to sit at this. We love doing that. We think we're so hot shit, but <laughs> we're sitting at the little VIP section, and it's just like us and two other people in the VIP section. Which is good because as much as you know, we we love kind of being in the mix. I'm much older now, anyway, but we also saw Napalm Death. Uh, I think Black Dahlia Murder opened for them for that them one. Them and uh, Power Trip. So both mm -hmm. those singers, uh, the Power Trip singer and now Trevor from Black Dead are gone, which is sad. Uh, but we can at least say we saw both those gentlemen, Riley Gailey and Trevor, play and do their stuff on stage because there's other artists that, like Dio, I never got a chance to see or Chuck from Death. And, you know, those are moments that are lost uh, because I just didn't get out there and see him when I could so you know sometimes that's important too especially with the older musicians I mean I did get to see typo negative uh, I don't think you ever saw them so she never got to see Peter and company but yeah it's tough man and the oh god 
This is me and my train of thought going choo choo goodbye. Um, <laughs> choo choo. Choo goodbye. <laughs> Something about soundstage. Mm-hmm. Oh, oh, the, the VIP thing. It, when I say VIP, don't think we're like behind some velvet curtain. It's literally like. It's just a side stage. It's a side stage next to the stage. So you're very close to the stage, but you also have um, a wait staff. So you're at a table instead of standing. You, it doesn't mean we can. You can leave. We would leave. And it's not like a five course meal either. It's like it, it's burgers like, and stuff. It's like chips and melted cheese on it. <laughs> but we uh we just like it because if we we want to get a good view and we're right next to it and you can sit down and put your purse and and coat there if you need to and it's just nice that we have a waitress there and we're like we don't have to walk all the way to the bar and stand in line there's like a specific bartender who is for us and the waitress it was sorry i'm on my 50th tangent but this is why you love me and i'm sure you've missed all of my tangents since i've been so i say i tell them all the time it's like i i give you guys my stuff but i know it's not as long but when she's here it just i let her do all the talking because that's what happens well i mean i think just going to see the concert as like one of my first things coming back home it was a good thing to do like Uh concerts are always great and and man those girls they are just, they just, they rock. They rocked and they embody everything like of their music, and it just brought out something in me. I was saying this to you while we were there. I'm just was I was like I'm just so happy, and I was just so happy to be out and. And, and it's really good for them because this wasn't like they were on a bill with like, you know bigger names like they were the top build band and it's i mean they're well known but not like say pig destroyer or napalm dead so they didn't really have anyone else on that bill to like draw that attention so let's let's say for instance let's say okay they're gonna play this show but they're they're gonna play one step uh up beneath heart for instance like heart would have drew more people in there as well so they would have probably would have sold that out, regardless of where Hard is now as a as a band. Like, you know, they play like smaller shows now, but to play that venue, they would have drew quite a few of old school rock and roll people. Mm-hmm. And the people that would have loved Hard would have loved these bands. That's the beautiful thing about it, uh, because it's all in the same vibe. It's like you cannot enjoy that stuff. It was funny. I was telling my because I went and had had breakfast with my parents. Um, in the morning before we went to the show. And breakfast I'm like, at the Lotman's? Yeah, breakfast at the Lotman's. Uh, <laughs> and we, um, my dad's like, oh, are you going to go see that, like that, oh God, what did he say? He said, like that radio station that Scott, oh, DJ Anubis always puts out there. Is that the kind of music? Because I can't stand, like the metal music. I'm like, no, you guys might actually like it because it's, it's modern music with, like, kind of a Just trippy rock. vibe to it. And he's like, oh, good. Yeah, technically, your mom and dad could listen to the Rock and the Hard Place and they wouldn't hate it. Rock and the Hard Place is great. Yeah. Oh, I have to tell you guys, too. Here, see, here's tangent number 18. <laughs> um, I might just have to let her run this. I got to piss like a motherfucker. Well, go pee. I, well, I don't know how to turn it off. So yeah, let me finish exactly. my... Let me finish. <laughs> I'll just talk for That's why I got, I got to start training her how to run this thing, you know? I don't know how to run the board. So I... um Lost my train of thought. Something about the rocks, though. Oh, when I was out on the ship 
DJ Anubis did a very special podcast for me only that was all of like my favorite poppy 80s, 80s stuff, stuff. Yeah. and I really appreciated that. I tried to stay on top of all of my favorite podcasts and all while I was out there, but trust me, it's very difficult. The internet out there is sad. Yeah, that was me having fun and just giving her a bunch of fun tunes to listen to because sometimes you're just not in a rock or metal mood and even though some of the 80s stuff is a little bit rocky, but it's also pop, so... It was, you know, just hearing his voice and if I ever got lonely, he actually made me a video too, which was really fun and... I started making him videos as well, and I think that might be something we should do because you just make like a little quick video and just it just it's hard to make phone calls, um, depending on the internet connection and the satellite phone connection. Um, I was very lucky on Mother's Day I could call my mom, and that was a very good connection. Like it was perfect and my mom was super happy to hear from me and you were over there entertaining them. Um, and I think I called you one other time, but we were actually in port, so I had, like, cell phone signal. Um, well, we did video calls a couple times. Um, but, you know, the thing is, like, I often talk about with celebrities and movie stars and athletes and musicians, like, you know, those people that are able to do those things, even, even Nomos and all that stuff, like, you always have something that people can pull up once you're gone like not even if you die of old age or whatever like you have something there like when you think about let's just say emma watson when she's when her life is done and gone years from now hopefully she's gonna have this legacy of being an actress and it's always gonna be on the screen Mm -hmm. uh for us this is what this is sort of legacy we leave we have podcasts we have youtube videos so even if something, if I should pass, you know, she's always going to have something of mine. Like, pictures are great, but... Just ha- hearing the voice and the... Right. So there's... And that's kind of like what I like about this is, like, now I could say I have stuff in order on my external hard drives. You know, I have to pretty much label it so I can... She knows what's what. But she can always just go back and say, you know, I want to hear him do this. Because I think I saved your 80s show, too, so... You know, it's just, it's those kind of things that are nice, because before we weren't really thinking about all that, you know. We didn't really save everything the way we do now. Right, so, that's a fun thing to do. Wow, that was like the weirdest... Turn. Yeah. (laughs) On that note, let's talk about what's coming up next. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Two blocks of great metal music. How about that, folks? New stuff from Jungle Rot, Intolerance, and classic material from Exgressor and High Command kicking it all off with Merciless Steel.
So, uh, you're Vietnamese? Just out of curiosity, what's your last name? Oh. Oh. Don't you ever upstage me again, ho. Don't you ever be funnier than me, ho. How dare you? This is my Netflix special, ho! What, what's your first name? What's your first name? Tran. You, is your real name Tran? Is your first name Tran? My wife's fucking first name is Tran. My wife's fucking first name is Tran fucking Ho. What do you do for a living? And if you say doctor, I'm gonna fuck myself, all right? You're not a doctor, right? Fuck me. What the fuck is your last, what's your, your last, are you fucking kidding me? Your last name is fucking Ho? Fuck you hoes, all right? Fuck the hoes. Someone in the back is fucking with me right now. Cause there's hoes to the left of me, hoes to the right of me. And my real life wife ho is in the fucking back. This is like, are you fucking kidding me? This is a bizarro ho We go on our event. We're going to see a concert. And we're going to see Metallica live. Now, yeah, I totally tricked my wife. You know, I, I played the slow song. nothing else matters. Oh, I like that song. It's not so scary. Yeah, see? They changed. They evolved. <laughs> So we get to the show, all right? And we get there, we sit out, I forget. I'm, I'm domesticated now. She's like, is there a brochure? I'm like, all right. <laughs> We're looking around the stadium, brochure, whatever. Now, here's when you know you're too old to be going to concerts. First of all, the name of the bands is already a tragic mistake. Here's the opener, so you ready for this? Just the names, Anthrax. Megadeth and Slayer. Okay, all right, did you hear? All right, you hear that? You hear that? You hear that? Let me tell you something about Slayer fans. They, they are, that was the scariest time of my life when the Slayer fans showed up. That's the first time I feared my own race. I'm not even kidding you. I feared my own race. They look like the extras from Lord of the Rings. <laughs> right before Slayer came out, someone came out. <laughs> Release the Slayer fans. <laughs> they came out of nowhere, under the ground, tattooing their faces. <laughs> Slayer! Slayer! We're here to witness Slayer! And I'm, um, 
Harvard and my wife, everything's gonna be okay. We're only gonna be on for like 15 minutes. We're gonna be safe. So Slayer's about to go on right before Metallica. The lights go out. Now, I forget I'm domesticated, so when the lights go out of show, I still get that giddy feeling. <laughs> <laughs> show starting. Because <laughs> I'm used to, you know, beauty and me. <laughs> Why are they so mean to the beast? They don't get better, Daddy. So, <laughs> so the lights go out, and I hear, and I, is there a train coming? And I turn around, and there's about 500 Slayer fans, and they're heading right for the stage, and they're not using the aisles to get there. are being flung, people flying up in the air. <laughs> I looked at my wife, every man for himself.
DJ Anubis here, and I want to say if you dig all things Godzilla and KG related, then check out the YouTube channel of the Sci-Fi Century. He has great reviews, opinions, and theories in the world of sci-fi horror, anime, and of course everyone's favorite atomic breathing lizard, Godzilla. Century provides great commentary when both having a special guest on his shows as well as the collaborations with the big teddy bear, that fat samurai guy. So if you want to keep it raw and real, tune into the Sci-Fi Century. That's S-C-I-F-I-S-E-N-T-R-Y Sci-Fi Century Tune in to get the best in science fiction and Godzilla related information Peace Alright, brand new Jungle Rock Closing out that last block Nifty Nifty, nifty, nifty Getting ready to jump into our rock block Ooh, that's right. Then I get my pick out of weed. No, she doesn't have one this oh, week. Oh, why not? Because <laughs> we didn't really sit down and figure out what you were going to do, so... I hate you. I know. But we'll get back to it on the next Hordes of Chaos. Uh, yeah, whatever. Go whatever. It's like now she's all pissed. <sighs> the sighs already started coming in. But we got Notifuria, Carson, New Primus, New Somali Yacht Club. Mix what is it? Somali Yacht Club. Is that like a Somali pirate? I have no idea. <laughs> ah, but they've been around for a little while. Makes My Blood Dance, provided by Curtain Calls. And then, of course, kicking this rock block off is a request by Kevin Tarrant for a band called Sepsis. And this is called Yesterday Isn't Me.
Everybody, this is Mr. Joshua Gray, your live gameplay DJ, live weekday mornings, every day, but hump day, playing Mortal Kombat or other games occasionally and featuring a number of different artists. So come on by, grab your breakfast, and enjoy some fatalities. Mr. Joshua Gray on YouTube, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Fridays, 8 to noon to the moon. And you're listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko on Metal Tavern Radio.
woke up one morning. One morning they wake up at five in the morning. They were younger. They, I don't know how old they were, but they were younger. Like, I don't trust dads who know exactly how old their kids are. If you're talking to a dad, he's like, 16 months today, he better be married to another dad. And that's, I don't mean that homophobic. I'm not homophobic at all. I'm not. I'm not. I'm definitely not. I'm more like a homochondriac. Like, I'm comfortable if you're gay, I'm comfortable with your lifestyle, I'm just afraid one night you'll get me drunk and trick me into it, <laughs> and I'll like it. <laughs> That's my fear. <laughs> I'll like it, and I'll be good at it. What am I So I saw a gay porn once for like 45 minutes. Let me tell you something. <laughs> Holy shit. Ladies, you gotta step up your blowjob game. Yeah, you're still playing JV basketball and the gay guys are the Harlem Globetrotters. Yeah, dunking on cocks. Oh! Holding their own head. Fuck this face, son! the fuck are we talking about? I'm literally, how did I get off on this gay rant? The fucking... Oh, my daughters, my daughters, my daughters. Huh. Gay guy shugging cock. Oh, my daughters. Okay, here we go. This will work. All right. Good old Bert Kreiser. He always makes me laugh. Yeah, he, he's a he's a crazy motherfucker. Da machine. Da machine. So you didn't get a chance to see this movie. I watched this movie a couple weeks ago, right before you got back, and uh, a 2020 horror comedy called The Wolf of Snow Hollow. And I remember when it first came out, people were like really talking it up and. At the time, I didn't know if I wanted to spend the money to, to view it or anything because, you know, you know me, I'm a, I'm a pretty big uh, werewolf elitist kind of guy, so werewolf movies have to go a long way to really kind of impress me in terms of uh, how they're put together, what the wolves look like, and et cetera, et cetera. Well, finally here in 2022, <laughs> two years later, uh, Prime has this film on there, so, like, even if after this you want to go and watch it sometime with me we can that's not a big deal uh i highly recommend it but there will be a few spoilers in here well it's two years old so I right guess. <laughs> right and it's hard to sometimes get through some of the stuff without saying well this is what happened and etc cetera, etc cetera. but yeah it's a couple years old the uh premise is uh you have a small town in utah that seemingly is terrorized by a werewolf so people just start getting chewed up and tore up and there's pretty good gore in this um more than you would think initially uh it's directed by jim cummings who actually actually also stars as the main uh 
guy in this, the sheriff, sheriff's son, I should say, because Robert Forster plays his dad, who's actually the sheriff, but the son takes over as the sheriff, and uh, it, it's kind of weird how it starts to play out first, because there's this, you know, the sheriff's son, uh, let me get the name right here, just for the character, uh, Officer John Marshall. So John Marshall is divorced, but he has a young daughter, uh, who he, you know, takes for weekends and stuff like that, but anyway, the movie kind of jumps into the horror real quick. You have a couple who are coming from out of town. It's kind of like a ski resort type area. Mm-hmm. And so they're renting a cabin, but they're at this like local little pub or slash cafe having dinner. And there's a couple of like redneck dudes who are locals that are talking shit and saying negative things. To which the, the man of the, the pair says, you know, could you just not... Could you just leave? Like, we're trying to have a quiet night here and eating dinner. Of course, the wife, or the wife is kind of like, you know, don't don't start shit, you know, let him go. Don't start shit. So the, the, the local guys, of course, are looking at him like this serious look. So you think, oh, there's drama, you know. But they end up leaving. Anyway, later that evening, uh, as the couple get out of the hot tub, the male goes in, the man, and... All of a sudden, the woman sees something, and we don't see much of her out there. And then the man comes back, and he finds her body, like, totally, like, torn up and mutilated. Oh, no. Yeah. So, of course, the sheriff and the officers, and uh, I'm trying to remember. There's another woman who's one of the officers, and I can't remember her name. It may be Kelsey Edwards or Anne Hamilton. I'm not sure which one. I think I can't remember who the other female officer was, mm-hmm. but she she plays a big part in this film as well. Uh, so it, 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 as more and more people start getting chewed up and like just random attacks and whatnot, uh, word starts spreading that you know this is a work of a werewolf or an animal, crazy animal. And so, but John Marshall, the the main guy. He's like, no, that's bullshit. They don't exist. So like, he's, his even his own deputies are like spreading these rumors. He's like, you need to shut the fuck up. It's not a werewolf. It's just some crazy ass killer out there killing people. But the thing is, throughout this entire process, we're seeing actually seeing when these people are being attacked. So one evening, a, a woman is driving back down the road, and there's a deer in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So she gets out. And she starts looking at it, and she sees that there's, like, this handprint, a bloody handprint on top of the deer. Not a wolf print, but a handprint. Human print. Now, prior to that, we had seen bigger wolf prints by other bodies, but this one was just a handprint. So then she turns back to her car, and sure enough, big-ass fucking werewolf standing there. And it actually showed a werewolf, you know, moving and attacking her and whatnot. And so... Again, cops find her body, and, you know, they're trying to investigate. Again, more and more rumors about the werewolf are happening. And, uh, but all in the midst of this, like, the the main cop, John Marshall, you know, he's kind of losing his shit. Like, I don't know, I can't remember if it was, like, he just doesn't like all the attention or the stress of trying to solve the case, but, like, he's just got anger issues. (laughs) So... You know, he ends up, like, firing a couple guys. And, oh, shit. Yeah, it, it's just really bizarre. And, like, he just has a hard time with drinking. He has alcohol abuse. And his daughter is, like, 
pissed off at him at, at times. And then, of course, he doesn't believe that the werewolf exists until one night where he's driving. He's been called to a, a scenario or an incident where his daughter actually snuck out of the house with her boyfriend. They're in the car and they're getting kind of heavy pit and doing their thing. Mm-hmm. And there's a moment where the girl looks out her window towards one of the houses that she's in front of. And this lady's like waving at her. And she's like, what is she doing? And then she realizes the, the person in the window is telling her something's coming. And the wolf hits the fucking car. <laughs> Uh, they both get away, but the daughter is there, of course, in her underwear, and her dad's, like, pissed off that she's there, and, but he sees that this werewolf was on top of the car at the time that he drove up, so he's shooting at it and chasing it and mm-hmm. whatnot. <clears throat> anyway, through the midst of this also, there's a guy who's, like, this local guy who has his own little farm, and we see a moment where he, one, he has, like, a little husky dog. That's his dog. He's like, he lives like a little trailer out by his house, by his farm or whatever. Uh, but we see he's burning like this bush in his area, and it's like there's a body in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. So we, we, we start to think, oh, okay, so we've got this dude who's pretty well built and, you know, big dude. and Big dude. The body's there, so we're thinking, oh, shit, you know, this is our guy. So that guy, though, who happens to be a fucking crackhead or something, ends up overdosing. But when the cops show up and investigate his death, they find, like, all this other shit, the hair, dog hair, which they found at scenes and whatnot. So they think, oh, okay, we've got our guy. Well, there apparently was a guy who was a taxidermist who uh, had data interviewed throughout this process about certain things with the case probably testing the dog and whatnot so marshall who's returning some of these belongings and these evidence to their people uh the, the witnesses and the people that were involved in the case that that were stolen or no they used it for uh collecting evidence and okay. stuff. they were just returning items uh like for the husband that lost his wife they returned her belongings which he really didn't want because it's pretty painful memory or whatever but uh he gets to this taxidermist house and you know, he's like, hey, how you doing? Good, just returning these. And, you know, as he's walking away after they're done talking, he, he goes back and he knocks on the door again. So the guy answers. And, you know, kind of a balding-looking dude. He's not super old or anything. But he goes, hey, can you do me a favor? Can you stand up? Because he was kind of leaning at the door. Mm-hmm. So he's like, can you stand up? And he opens the door. He stands up. This is a tall motherfucker. We're talking, like, almost seven foot. And one of the things they said was how the wolf was pretty big. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, there becomes like a struggle uh, because, you know, obviously they figure out this guy's the killer. And, uh, so, I mean, how did, how did they get to this guy's house? Like, just... The John Marshall, the head sheriff, uh-huh. he was uh, returning items to different Oh, people. okay, so he, he had things in... Okay. But he's the same guy who doesn't... You know, he has problems with the guy that died in the overdose, even though there were certain things that said, okay, maybe this is our guy. He's like, this guy isn't big enough. That everything that we've seen is this creature is huge. Like, it's big enough to tear people apart. And plus, he saw the creature when he was chasing it from his daughter. Uh, so he starts wrestling around with the guy, and the guy manages to get away. And then there's a quick open, like, where they're kind of like cabin houses almost. Yeah. Because of where they are. 
and he's on the floor and he's looking up at the doorway. The door swings open. The guy comes running. He has a wolf suit on. So he's been posing with this like werewolf costume as he's killing me. He's just a serial killer who's been running around. Wearing his... like the interesting. But the movie's interesting because the way that you see the scenes with the wolf when they're when it's attacking people is very fluent. So it's like it makes you believe that the werewolf is real. So that's the cool thing about the movie is that we think we're actually dealing with a real werewolf when real in reality it's just this taxidermist who's running around in this suit killing people. So he had taken, like, a wolf's skin and made it into his own... Right, uh, and he did a really good job. Interesting. But there was just, like, some... Like one, like I said, when you're watching certain scenes of the kills, it's like, oh, wow, this thing looks legit. Like, it reminds me of Halloween-type stuff. So I'm like, this is awesome. But you never actually see him um, transform or anything. Correct. And, but this kind of runs back to Marshall's uh, opinion that, no, it's, it's just a man out there doing this. Like, they don't believe in the werewolves, but... Everyone else is kind of jumping on that bandwagon that it's a werewolf. The killings happened on full moon nights and all and this the, stuff. And the, the dude was doing that on purpose, clearly. Right, right. So I can't quite remember what his motivation was. I don't know if they even really got to it. But, uh, yeah, they ended up catching up with them. Uh, I, think, I think it was actually the female cop that ended up saving John Marshall because the guy had run out in the woods with his wolf suit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and... Uh, Marshall's chasing him, but I think uh, the wolf guy kind of got the better of him and almost had him until the female sheriff shot and shot him to hit or something. But oh, jeez. Yeah, but it, it's a very clever movie, and it's got a little bit of comedy, a little bit of horror in it. Uh, the gore is good. Um, That's always a plus. It's one of the things I look for when it's like a horror movie because I want some you same thing I say I love disgusting things so I don't know if that makes me a serial killer or but I if you're gonna give me a gory movie I want it to be like so gross that I am serving them god it's not even it's not even right (laughs) no but the the other thing about this film probably one negative for me is like I said, when the cop realizes through that doorway that the guy has just been posing as his werewolf, uh, I thought that took away from the film a little bit because at that point I still thought, oh, this is our guy, this is the werewolf. And you know I me, mean? I, I, I kind of would have rather had him be a werewolf because that would have been really be a cool story. Mm-hmm. But it's still a nice twist, but the thing is I wish the reveal would have been more at the end. So as, say, he looks out the door and the wolf's there, but the wolf runs... And he chases a wolf into the forest, and then, you know, as the wolf is getting ready to kill him, that's when the lady cop shoots, and then we realize, oh, shit, it's just a costume. Like, I would have liked that reveal much better uh, than what they actually did, because we already knew that it was a dude just running around, so for, like, that last five or ten minutes, we know it's just a guy. Uh, had they kept the, 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 the posing that it was actually a werewolf instead of the guy, if, like, we knew he changed all of a sudden and was out there... So if they would have been, like, a little bit more um, suspenseful. Like, if they didn't... If they didn't reveal right away that it's a wolf suit, so you still are thinking, oh, there's a werewolf running around, and then when you go out there, you could, like, get, get the guy to turn, and it's like, oh... It's actually a man's face, like underneath or a when, wolf's yeah, face. Or when, yeah, when the sheriff chick shot him, uh, and then you take it off, and you realize, oh shit, he's just been a man. It sounds like Scooby Doo taking right, off the mask. Right, right. And I, I thought Let's that would have been a better ending. Let's see who's really under this mask. 
But Jim Cummings is the guy who plays John Marshall. He's the one who directed this, and uh, it was really good. He wrote it too. Yeah, it's it's a, it's a really good film. Um, I was entertained, and usually that's hard to do with werewolf movies these days. Um, but I was really entertained by it. Well, this. we always like something like that's a little bit off the uh, reservation when it comes to a werewolf movie. Like for you, you either want it for you. I'm saying for DJ Anubis, I know you, and you either want it to be very true to traditional werewolf lore like you want it to be the werewolf lore and it be right and have like a really good transformation and you want to see good kills or you want something completely different because when people do like a low effort werewolf movie you are like okay yeah this is a werewolf but this is like you know the walmart brand werewolf. <laughs> like you you don't like that at all you're like why even bother oh you want when the there have been a few movies we've watched together where you're like this is like a true transformation and um or you want something like Brotherhood of the Wolf, where right. you're like, this is a whole different take on it. It wasn't even the lore, yeah, yeah. It's not even so much about a werewolf. It's more like about like a secret society and you know what's going on. You know more culturally than than anything because like what I found and it's kind of funny because I, I think I was messaging you. I was listening to Chad Dukes and he was talking about Brotherhood of the Wolf and I was like, oh my god somebody else knows about this movie like you know the the thing with brotherhood of the wolf um is it's about the werewolf but it's not really about the werewolf it's kind of like the werewolf is what everybody is talking about but then you kind of find out like it's more uh politics more than well, anything that's, yeah that was the thing like when I first read about Brother of the Wolf before the movie came out through Fangoria, it was a magazine, so this is back in early 1999-2000, they were showing stills of the girl that was attacked and the bite. And, the and it's very gory and it's very action. So like, I'm thinking, oh wow, this is going to be a cool werewolf movie. Because that's immediately what I thought. Then when you see it, it turns out to be something different. And then I watched The Cursed, uh, not too long ago, that's what me and Samurai reviewed. And uh, they make reference to the Beast of Gavadon, which is what Brotherhood is based off of. So there is that lore. So that's what's cool about some of these movies, like Brother of the Wolf. It's like it's using the lore of the werewolf, but not really having the werewolf in it. Mm-hmm. Like it's, we find out that there's an unraveling or unmasking of what's really going on. So that's what makes Brother of the Wolf such a great film. But then, you, have, you know, again, you have films like Howl, which came out in 2015, which the premise is awesome. You got people on the subway, red light, uh, red, uh, red eye, uh, train at night. Mm-hmm. Uh, train gets stopped because something's in the road. The uh, driver disappears. <laughs> and then all of a sudden we've got a werewolf attack. Now, the problem there is that for me is just the werewolves look like shit. <laughs> You take if you took just anything like from like what we saw with or you haven't seen but with you know the Snow Hollow or even Howling and mm-hmm. put those wolves in it would have made that film like a ten out of ten because oh that, wow yeah because it, it was really good it was the atmosphere was nice the idea behind it was nice it just if you're gonna chimp out and ch- you know cheap out on me with the werewolf looks and you know 
or you get too CGI with it. Uh, that was one thing that you really mentioned is like sometimes when they go CGI, it, it really you might as well just uh, it, it it looks way too fake. But I think it was it was the Howling is what you said has like your favorite transformation and between that and American Werewolf, yeah. They're it's all makeup. Mm-hmm. You know, and it takes a lot of effort to... Special effects mm-hmm. is way different. So, we've noticed that with lots of different movies where you can tell that the CGI, they just, they just were going so... I mean, there's great CGI. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, uh, I think, I don't remember what year it was, but Wes Craven, before he passed away, did that movie Cursed with Christina Ricci mm-hmm. and uh, who's the guy who played in um, The Network? Uh, Eisenberg? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. So that film, despite having some flaws and using CGI, the werewolf looks like a decent werewolf, and there's good gore and everything else, and it's got comedy. Not necessarily one of my favorite movies, but I, I can at least appreciate that he's at least attempting at, you know, making the werewolf look like scary as fuck, you know, and it's legit. Uh, but anyway, uh, The Wolf of Snow Owl, I think, on uh, Rotten Tomatoes, the critics gave it 89%, uh, audience gave it 66 I would agree with the critics here. Uh, maybe not quite as high as eight because they're close to ninety, but I would say it's eight out of ten for me. I thought it was a really decent movie. That's good. I might sit and see. Like I was joking with you because it seems like you went to st- to see a lot of movies while I was gone, and I know you have to entertain yourself clearly. But well, it's a cross between entertaining myself and then like you know I'm trying to keep some YouTube content out there. So the best way to do that sometimes is just go out and see mm-hmm. a movie that's new, review it, and then put it up. Yeah, but like you that. got mad at me for watching the Kurt uh, Well, movie. I held off on certain things I was going to rent. I was like, okay, there's House of Gucci. and then <laughs> I watched House of Gucci and the, um, the American Underdog. Yeah, the and, Kurt like, and I said, I know she wants to see this, so if I watch it, she's going to kick my ass. I watched it on the plane. so Which I understand, which is fine. And I'll eventually get to those movies. And then we can I'll watch them both again. And I also think because I was half dozing off and half watching like I, I might have missed things and and I'm perfectly happy to rewatch them on like a much larger screen um, but there there are parts like of the American Underdog movie that really had me tearing up I'm like on the pl- thank god I was all the way in the back and nobody was paying attention to me but I'm like in my seat crying I'm like oh, <laughs> oh. but you really consumed some movies and usually like we all joke when when we're out working on the ship um a couple times it got hard because there wasn't really much out there that you were interested in yeah like i ended up just reading music topics or uh just news like it wasn't any kind of reviews i was like yeah, because, like, some of the series that I was watching on Disney uh, didn't really blow me away. Like, so Moon Knight, which was okay, in the long run, it didn't really necessarily blow me away as a series. I did do a review, but I just waited till I was, I was done watching it. Usually, I'll kind of cut in. And, and I wanted to watch Moon Knight, so maybe I'll watch that myself. I don't know. I like, it's, it's okay, uh, but, you know, it, it's one of those things. I don't know much about the character, so unlike... Like, when I went to see Doctor Strange 2, 
I was aware of everything because of WandaVision, so I knew everything that was tying in together. Moon Knight doesn't have a clear connection to any of it outside of reference, you know, reference here and there. But Marvel has different levels of um, right of heroes. But at and least Daredevil and Punisher kind of reference the Marvel universe. Even Agents of Steel, which I'm really into now, its timeline follows everything that's going on with the movies, which is good. That's what you want. So it just depends, like, but Jessica Jones, Luke Cage, I just, I know they have some references to the Marvel movies, I just don't get into it because I don't know much about the characters. Yeah, I mean, those are the street level. Mm-hmm. Moonlight, moon, Moonlight, Moonlight <laughs> is, uh, it has a little bit of supernatural kind of, uh, elements to it. Uh, I don't know a lot about the character. I know a little, and I really wanted to kind of get into it because it's it's like, and I I really thought you would like Moon Knight because every it's kind of werewolfy because he's his his everything is controlled by the moon. Well, so, the good thing about Moon Knight is it's there's a lot of Egyptian. That's mythology. what I was gonna say. Yeah, so like I do enjoy that, although I don't think Anubis ever got mentioned in the first season, so. Which is interesting, too, because a lot of the complaints about Moon Knight is that I think it's only like six or seven episodes, so they didn't spend a lot of time on it, uh, so people thought maybe they should have fleshed it out a little bit more than that, but, you know. So, this is a different, you know, genre of, um, you know, before I left, the Sex and the City reboot and Just Like That came out. And they had kind of been, like, same thing with Moon Knight. They've been pushing like because of covid and this and that and there have been there were a lot of criticisms on and just like that and for me it it was not perfect but i i'm just like such a sex in the city fan i i consume anything sex in the city however i think what we've been seeing with a lot of stuff in this covid era is things got put on hold then they have to make it work they have to rush or do whatever and i i mean this and just like that was produced by hbo huge huge company but they still had to deal with covid they still had to do with the death of you know a beloved character um like the real actual physical death of um willie garson who he was he had cancer for a while but really didn't tell anybody except for sarah jessica parker and um died very suddenly while they were filming and i think because of that and because of covid a lot of those storylines felt kind of rushed and not complete and they didn't really have any kind of plan they just need they knew they had a deadline and they had to get it on hbo by this day i think that happened with moon knight because they had been pushing it back so they were like all right we got to make it look as good as possible we have to make it as you know the correct moon knight story we don't have a lot of time so I think sometimes where you're trying to look for more of like the tie-in and stuff, it's not, we keep saying it, like the last two years have been interesting. I mean, very interesting where there's no consistency on like what the rules are. You know, at first when they decided COVID was a thing, it was like literal shutdown. And I, 
he and I both, DJ Anubis and I both had to carry around critical worker letters if we wanted to go to work. Like if we were driving to our, and that was like, boom. And then it was like, okay, we're going to open some things, but then it's like, oh, numbers are ticking up. So you can imagine working in a, a set where there's a shit ton of people on screen and off screen. They're all like, okay, so we just did like a scene, but now they're telling us we have to shut down again. And there's a lot, if, I feel like a lot of these in inconsistencies are, are popping up because nobody knew what the fuck was going on. Are we shutting down for a day? Are we shutting down for a month? Or, or what's what's happening? Uh, when is this coming out? We, that's we, why a lot of movies get pushed back, too. I know Black Widow and Maverick. Maverick is just now coming out. I know. It, it and it's been two years, I think. And the last James Bond took a while to get out until they finally did because of all the same and stuff. And there's hundreds of people working on these movies. Hundreds at a time, all together. So if they're so con they were so concerned for a while with like people being around and... So I I don't know I think a lot of I, I I hear a lot of disappointment you know with with stuff coming out and maybe in the future when we look back at this time we remember this was like the hardest time in any kind of entertainment you know music movies etc because you could only do so much you I mean at one point remember they were even telling don't don't have gatherings more than 10 people of the same like household or in your circle or so there's no way to do that with 200 you know staff members trying to put on a TV show or if like I was saying I know in just like that they started filming and then they stopped filming I I see a lot of this happening with um just like regular TV shows that were already a thing, um, they'll start doing them, and then when, when, like, the COVID time hit, they did, like, just nothing. And then when they were allowed to start doing something again, it was not as good, because they could only do just a little bit. Uh -huh. And so I'm trying... I want to see Moon Knight. I do. Oh, it's on there, and, like, I think... You know, the thing is, I'll still watch a lot of these because I am interested in the Marvel Universe. But even now, like, they're going to be doing, in fact, soon, I think, next week, Obi-Wan, that series will be kicking Dude, off. Dude, I really want to see that so bad. Boba Fett was a little lackluster except for the last few episodes when yeah, I, I My problem with Boba Fett, maybe, I don't know, Boba Fett and the Mandalorian, I was just like, nothing is interesting except for Baby Yoda. Like, <laughs> I, it was hard for me, and I know that's terrible because I've been a big Star Wars fan since I was a kid. But if you can't keep me interested, then that's a real problem. <laughs> anyway. Right. So, I will take your advice and watch this. Um, you know. It's free right now. Yeah. Why not? Why the hell not? Alright, well we got some brand new Evergrey and Satan's Host in this next block, but we're going to kick it off with one of Neko and I's favorite Maiden tunes. Wildest dreams. Here we go. <gasps> I love this song. One, two, one, two, three,
everyone, this is Blake from Pig Destroyer, Hate Beak, and Zealot R.I.P. And you are listening to DJ Anubis and DJ Neko at Metal Tavern Radio. Get into it now. This is the Retro Movie Vault with your hosts DJ Anubis and DJ Neko only on Metal Tavern Radio. You haven't heard anybody say anything about either one of these. Well, what about these two? Well, they suck. These are the same two movies? You weren't paying any attention. No, I wasn't. I don't think your manager would appreciate it. I appreciate your ruse, ma'am. I beg your pardon? Your ruse, your cunning attempt to trick me. Alright! I don't appreciate your ruse. <clears throat> your ruse. The Retro Movie Vault is back. And, uh, I've been holding on to this film for a little while just because I saw it while you were out initially. Because it showed up on Canopy, which is an app on Roku, and it's kind of like a library thing i don't know it's weird but cool at the same time because i don't think there's any other streaming app that i know of that actually has this movie on there uh and it's in english subtitles because it is uh icelandic uh in terms of the language that they use mm-hmm. and it was it's an icelandic film right like it, it was now, i did notice like certain parts when you watch it again the other night that there are like small scenes where they use english which is kind of funny mm-hmm. kind of comes. and i was telling you pretty much everyone in iceland knows English only because the rules of publishing on um, textbooks I forgot what the number is but there there's a certain number you have to hit in order to publish a book in a, a certain language right. so Iceland's not very big they need to teach they usually use English same thing with a lot of Norwegian and um, you know they don't they obviously speak Norwegian and you know Finnish and and but they study in English because of the textbook availability at least I, just this is only information I'm learning just from people that I, I've worked with they they told me like you know because of where they are they don't have there's just not enough population to, to produce these books in their their native tongue so we're talking about the 2013 film uh, Metalhead, and it was directed by Ragnar Bragason, and uh, stars uh, Thor Bjorg Helga as Hera. Uh, I think I'm gonna probably butcher some of these names. Ingvar Egert Sigurdsson as Carl, that's Hera's father, and let's see, uh, Haldora Gerhard Azadatir as 
Droplog, Hera's mother. So those are the three main characters. There are other characters in this. I'm not going to go through and butcher all their names. <laughs> I will make one point, though, that Oscar Logie Augustin, who plays Balder early in the film, he actually does actually play music but he plays in a rock band called the vintage caravan so oh, i thought that was kind of, yeah so i thought that was kind of cool but what metalhead is about is basically Hera is your your main character who at age 12 in 1983 uh is sent to go get her brother they live out in like a big farm they've got cows and a lot of farmland and uh, is that thunder yeah yeah it's kachiga kachiga Rain is coming. Uh, so she's sent to go get her brother for dinner because uh, he's out there in a the tractor, you know, tilling it up and getting ready for the next crop season or whatever. Uh, he's a long-haired dude, older brother. Just hanging out, he, doing his chores. Driving, and, you know, he gives her the, the devil sign, you know, as they acknowledge that he sees her. And as Hera kind of turns away... Uh, we didn't get thrown back to where uh, Baldar is on the tractor, and the tractor hits like a rock, and Baldar like actually falls out of the tractor and gets ran over by the the thing. Like the rototiller. Yeah, that he's trailing behind him, and we can see it's like fucking him up. And then when Harris shows up, he's laying there pretty hurt, and then you we see, see he, his he, hair he, got his ripped skull, out. Yeah, yeah it's so, like in the drive shaft. So all that hair, yeah, it was like tied up in the drive shaft of this tiller. Uh, then we see a scene where the parents are driving Balder and the young girl to the hospital, but you know it's got to be like miles away because uh, they're out in the middle of nowhere. And then we next scene we have is of course the funeral because he didn't make it. And there's like this first moment that we see her at age 12 in the church. She looks up at this portrait of, of Jesus, and it's just like a, a sense of resentment. You can just see. Yeah, she doesn't. She runs out, but it's not like she's cursed. And it was, it was like, because you know, if you've ever been to a funeral, they're they always are trying to be comforting. Mm -hmm. You know, like it, he is with the flock now. You know, he, you know, he's in good hand. Blah blah blah. And I think Hera was listening to all of that and just was getting angry. Yeah, like she was like looking at Jesus, and she's like this. You, you you don't have any right to have my brother. Yeah, kind of thing. yeah, and we see that kind of later with the younger priest that shows up, Janice, who talks to her at an older age, and we'll get into that. But you know, he's like, you know, Balder is in a better place now, being taken care of, and she again, she doesn't like freak out on the priest or flip him off or anything, uh, but she walks away because she's like, it upsets her to think about that. There is a moment where Janice approaches her uh, at the house and. She's like, well, God owes me, you know, because this is her being mm -hmm. kind of... And part of her behavior as she gets older, because uh, after the funeral, she goes back to the house, uh, thinks that she hears her brother playing a guitar in his room, and she does see him, but it's more of a memory. And at that point, she decides that she's going to adopt metal music that he was into and his look with the, the metal shirt. So she's basically... Burned all, yeah, her, pretty all clothes. Of her clothes. She took all her clothes and yeah. put it into a pile, and then she ransacked his room and took all of his stuff. Yeah, all his shirts and stuff. So, uh, and of course, we skip ahead probably, I don't know, what was it? 
because 12 to 18 or <gasps> yeah, 19. Yeah, I mean, she was older than... She was probably, like, 21 because the, when she was talking to former friends and classmates, they were all, like, graduating university. Okay. So she had to be around 21, 22. Yeah, so she apparently had, throughout that time, actually tried to go to the bus stop uh, where her house is and leave to go to the city. Like, this was her plan, and of course... It was, like, every day. Yeah. She would... Yeah, so, but she never left. Uh, there was an old man there the very first time she did it who says, there's nothing here keeping you back, and I think that kind of played into her head, like, you know, I do have my parents, but... As we skipped uh, nine years later, you know, we find out that the parents are not really uh, dealing with the grief like they should have. There's like They're a kind disconnect. of being shut And uh, by now, Hera's like full blown, you know, making her own music a little bit and full blown in the metal, but she's also kind of like an outcast within her own family. They, they do talk. And in her community. Yeah. Like. Yeah. Like, yeah, it, it's not. We should point out that the community itself is very Christian. Like, they're it's small. They have a church, and, you know, people are of the faith. And It's kind of like their gathering place. They, they have dances. They have their little group meetings. I mean, you, you see at some point sometimes where, like, they're just all meeting in somebody's house. Mm-hmm. And it's yeah. not even for any real reason except for there's... Socializing. Yeah, there's so. not a lot of people in this community. So, uh, of course, you know, as Neko pointed out, Hera's now in her 20s and she still hasn't gone to the city and the, and the parents, you know, they're kind of like, well, you know, we kind of thought you'd be going to the city at some point to do something. like. Yeah, why haven't you left yet? Uh... Because we also find out that Hera is struggling with the grief of her brother, even after all this time. So she takes her dad's, like, makeshift moonshine, and, and she actually, we laughed about this, where she walks into a neighbor's house, whom they know him very well, because uh, her blonde friend is that, that was their parents. Mm-hmm. But she walks in, because the house isn't locked up, and she, you know, takes the liquor out of the cabinet. She's looking at old photo books of their youth, and, uh... <clears throat> takes the keys to the tractor that the neighbor owns and is driving it drunk and you know I think apparently one- this has been a problem yeah. like she just likes to drive around on their tractor well I thought that at one point when I was watching it uh, she turns the lights off and she basically let's go to the stand mm-hmm. and part of me wonders if she kind of wants to end her own life the way her brother did in some weird tractor way but it could have been just her just being goofy or whatever you know because she is drunk uh, but eventually, uh, neighbor finds her uh, trash, but he doesn't know where his tractor is, so he tells her dad that, you know, when she gets sober, can you tell her where the keys are so I can go get my damn tractor? And he, he was like, this was okay. Like, yeah, the first couple times. But not anymore. Yeah, so it's becoming a bigger, bigger problem. Uh, she can't hold down a job, even when she goes to the local slaughterhouse. It's like, you know, she'd rather just be a, re- a rebel against everything that's going on. Uh just being a pain in the ass to the people there. So she gets fired. Uh, she gets a little bit bullied by some people. You know, guys are, like, heckling her about the, the shirts and the music. And so she's kind of like, you know, fuck off. You know, that's how she is. Uh, even with her parents, when she's playing her guitar or listening to music, she's cranking it up. And they're like, you know, can we just have a, a, a sort of media? Can you turn it down a little bit? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, she'd rather just turn up to 11 and not deal with it. And uh, again, I think part of it's just lashing out. Part of it's trying to get attention because... I think, too, 
and I want to kind of like preface this where we're watching this movie and it doesn't end up the way that you think it's going to end up at all. Right. And this is a very, very, when I say small, maybe like 500 people in this community. If that. If that. And they are very all drawn to the church. And not in, like, a weird, like, we're going to, like, sacrifice people kind of way. It's more of, like, they just are all very similar in their beliefs. And then Hera is just angry about these beliefs because she, you know, has been taught throughout her life, like, this is what Christianity is and this is you know, love each other, and that's kind of how the community feels. Like, we're all very close-knit, and what starts happening to her and her family, maybe not in, is in an extreme way, but Hera is very open about her anger and up being upset and saying, like, this should not happen to my, you know, 16-year-old brother. Right. But her parents they aren't they are not okay but they're not like so open about it they're just more quiet they don't really talk to each other yeah they've internalized it so that kind of like even we don't find out till later that they weren't really communicating like there is a point where janice the young priest that comes to take over the parish he's you know, sharp looking, there's even talk that, you know, they think he's gay or whatever, and of course there's jokes made about maybe he's more interested in boys, but <clears throat> there's a point where Janice is talking, this is when shit gets real serious with Hera because of her behavior. You that, wouldn't understand. Yeah, so he's talking to the parents, he's like, well, what is things like for you? Because we know that she's having a hard time, but what's happening with you two? And at first, they're very reluctant to even say anything. They're like, you know, we're okay. But then later They're like, on, this isn't the problem, you know. Right. Uh, but we do notice later that uh, the father, you know, he's breaking down in the garage. And he's like, you know, I think you blame me for Baldur's death. I didn't fix the tractor right with the cover. Yeah, he said he didn't. He, he the father, I'm sorry. Um, he blamed himself because he didn't put the cover on the drive shaft. And he thought that the, the mom was also thinking the same thing and you find out she really wasn't thinking right. the same thing so the father's blaming himself and then he's also thinking that his wife hates him too for the same thing because he's like there was just so much going on we were harvesting and the Baby cows yeah. and blah 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 and one thing I also noticed um, you know Hera was going to the neighbors to play with their tractor they didn't it, the the family must have gotten rid of their tractor and focused completely on dairy farming because yeah there was never any speak of harv of of tilling land or no. or anything i didn't catch that that's a good catch after his death yeah so it was it was really interesting because it was like Again, it is a tragedy, so, like, it will change a family dynamic, but it was, like, boom, he, I remember there was one point where, when the priest was there asking about, like, what their job and all, he's, like, mostly dairy farming, and he just kind of left it at that. I, um, I, the, the interesting thing, when, the more that you, like, 
dive. This is very emotional and psychological. And it's called Metalhead, which which really you're thinking it's just going to be like this anti-establishment type thing. And um, well, through for most of the half of the movie, I was telling Nico when we were watching it, I was like, you know, when I was first watching this and I was watching it unfold and <clears throat> Hera's behavior, like I'm like, okay, I understand why, but like the movie itself, I'm sitting there saying to myself. Do I really want to watch a movie in its entirety just basically shitting on metalheads who have emotional and depressive problems? Uh, like, that to me doesn't teach us anything. But, as she points out, midway through this film, it starts taking a turn. And I'm going to get into some other things about it that I had talked with her off-air about, but... Uh, there is a moment, as she points to, where the priest who is talking to the parents finally goes up to uh, Hera's room and he's talking to her. And they have this discussion because he starts naming off these bands because she has a room full of posters. And he's like, classic Judas Priest, you know. And she's like, you wouldn't understand. You wouldn't. You, what do you know? Yeah. So Danny, uh, there is a weird scene because he starts taking his shirt off, and so and, she, and you can see Hera getting yeah, uncomfortable. Yeah, she gets really nervous and she starts backing up on her bed a little bit, like, "What are you doing?" And so basically, he's just reviewing his arm, um, his left arm, and it has a picture of Eddie from Iron Maiden. It's it's the killer's pose, and uh, she immediately connects. She's like, "Oh my god." And she goes, she goes, well, what favorite bands do you like? So again, he starts going into, like, Venom and Bathory or whatever he was naming off in the film. And basically uh, what happens here, though, is that he's trying to connect with her and saying, look, you never can judge a book by its cover. You know, don't assume the worst out of people. But she's so desperate to have a connection with somebody in the same kind of music that she is that she basically forces herself on the priest in the bed and kisses him and he's like well that's not what i was trying to go for here <laughs> and uh you know of course she's a little rebel still you know she's you know we did skip over the fact that she had sex with her best friend growing up or a guy friend uh and he's always had a crush on her yeah and that and that's sort of the thing too they did when they were young did have like a little band together but we find out later that He's not really interested in metal. Like, he did it because he was interested in her. So he'd always pretend to like the music that she was into. But we kind of... There was a funny scene, which I'm jumping ahead, but she was always sending him mixtapes. And you see later in the movie, they're in the car and pop in the mixtape, but he had recorded over it, like, country polka yeah polka country-ish music yeah I'll, yeah they, they all get to that because that was a pretty funny scene um so yeah the priest you know i was trying to connect with her uh get her to understand and you know she's still kind of lashing out so then she sees one night on tv uh newsreel about black metal in norway burning churches so she's like still in a vhs tape popping it in recording it because she wants she was enthralled yeah like, she got very interested in it very fast and uh so then she starts writing music along that line so she's now doing this black and i think she's got and the she's out in the barn back. now that was the funny like before and she this is the thing you can tell like she's angry but her parents were like 
can you turn it down? So she just goes out into the barn and, and starts doing it. Like, she's not this hateful, like... No, and, that's, and the whole town's like this because you would think after we get to a certain point with the church mm-hmm. that there would be this really big resentment, but it's not like that. And this, So this is why this movie has a lot of nice things to show you uh, about people in general. But... Uh, so she puts on the course pan and goes down to dinner or breakfast actually and then they, they're eating oatmeal whatever and he looks up the father looks up he's like <laughs> nudging the wife and they see that she's in course paint and so we do have where this the friend uh, the boyfriend who used a good friend of hers like wanted to propose to her because he's always like he's had this thing for forever and, and he uh, thought after they had sex that that would mean like right. it's, it's time to be together right like he's trying to marry her because he wants to take care of her he cares about her uh but he doesn't really understand who she is because this is one of the things like yeah she's dealing with pain but she's really adopted the metal thing like it's her thing uh and she loves it so despite the fact the reasons how she got into it she does indeed enjoy the music and everything about it and that's why she explains to the priest like Everyone thinks about Satanism and stuff, but it's not all about it. It's about war and death and love and all this other stuff. Which he already knew because he was a metal. Mm-hmm. And what, with her um, boyfriend, he... It's like... He's he, just a business guy. He wants... He's trying to, like... He's, like, uh, taming horses. Yeah. And, but with, what I see with him and with a lot of the town and... But in a much more polite way than you would see here in America or other places I guess because it's a very close tight knit town they were all kind of like you gotta figure out something to Hera like they're they're just totally that's when she was at her like craziest because mm-hmm. they were like look either go to the city or get a job or do something you gotta figure something out but and they it, were but they weren't even being like yeah it wasn't it wasn't thinkiness. mean <laughs> it was more like you have to figure something out and and at, at one point i think after she had her major breakdown um with the church mm-hmm. a few i mean i don't know if we it's we'll get it. it's like nine years old now i'm just i'm trying not to spoil too much if people haven't seen it but well we got to go into it but uh you know the parents after the father breaks down in the garage like the mother and father come to they talk and they and they start to work it out and there's a nice little scene where the parents are on the couch and he's playing his little ukulele or guitar or whatever he's got. It was an acoustic guitar. And uh, they were actually enjoying it being together, close to together. It wasn't like the separation you would see in other families. Yeah, they're having a couple they're having a couple of glasses She's of wine. showing her little foot under his legs and they're, they're singing. Giggling. Yeah. And so Hera's kind of enjoying this a little bit. Uh, because she likes seeing her, her parents happy again. But she's still dealing with her own shit. Uh, so we're going to get into where Hera is also looking for love. Like it, It's still something she's pursuing, but it's not with her best friend. She's very attracted to the priest. So she again dresses up very prettily in a dress, goes over to his house, walks. <laughs> which is always surprising to him, but she walks over there and, you know... Uh, Again, weird. He's in his towel or robe or something, but uh, you know she's basically flirting with him, and he's like, "Look, I, I need you to understand. 
I can only be a priest. I'm not romantically. Yeah, he's not, I'm not interesting you in that way. Yeah. And and Man. he wasn't like doing it. No. To be mean. He's like, I, I, I have to be honest with you. I can't take advantage of this situation. I am right. the priest of the, the town. I I have kind of like, he's like, if this was an honest love, it would be different. But it's not. And I'm not going to take advantage of the situation. Right. And, but it's that rejection that sends her over the edge. Like, it's now, like, game on. So... In a fit of rage, he walks over to the church, uh, tears up the Bibles that are hymns, books that are in there, and then lights it on fire, and the church just goes up. But she already knows she's done fucked up, because her lashing out, she knows this church is, like, representative of the entire community. Like, this is their thing. She has her thing with the music, but this is their thing. And so she knows that she just overstepped a bounce. So she immediately packs up some stuff, a gun, rifle, basically. Uh, heads up into the mountains to one of those hunting shacks. And she's out there for a while. But I think it's two parts. She thought maybe people would come looking for her because of what happened. Or two. She just wanted to die. Yeah, the hideout or whatever. But she, shoot, she shoot, soon realizes that she's not going to be able to survive out there. She doesn't have any skills to take care of herself and that and it's like blizzardy winter and there's there. nothing it's it's it's, it's yeah. literally a shack on ice there's no bathroom there's nothing yep so after seeing like you know being cold as shit and she sees like a little vision of boulder there for some reason i don't know if that was like some sort of awakening like you know could be a dumb bitch and get back home i mean it could be honestly she was out there just to rot away Mm -hmm. she just wanted to go away and disappear and she was angry and maybe if we want to be spiritual we can say it was her brother coming to give her a message or we could say you know she was on the verge of death and had a hallucination and it was enough to get her back to her town. town yeah so she ends up showing back up to her best friend's house, and initially she brought, like, some birds or something. Yeah, it looked cut. like she was hunting geese. Yeah. So she throws it up on a table, but doesn't realize they're in the middle of, like, a, a town meeting. So there's some people at the desk. and Now, meanwhile, she's been out there maybe two weeks or so, and the town... They come to the parents. They come to the parents and like this time she's gone too far. <laughs> yeah, because the parents went, have no idea what she did. And they didn't so. even have any because they, at first they thought that she just left, right, without saying goodbye, going to the city because they come home and she hadn't been home and they're like, and Maybe she again, did it. She's an adult. She's not, yeah, a little kid. So they're like, wow, she must have really left. And then the townspeople come and they're like, she's she's gone too far this time. And, again, everything is so polite. Like, the townspeople are not heckling the parents. They're not being mean to the parents. Because they even all said, at this point, at this part of the movie, they're like, we know that your family has gone through a lot, but she's gone too far at this time. And that's why when she shows up at her friend's house... Um she realizes she's gone She's too looking far. at them, and they're looking at her, and they've got, like, you know, a little bit of a scowl, not not anything super mean, but she sits down, and she starts crying. Like, if she really breaks down, 
And like she doesn't, she just can't handle anything. And so the people that are there at the town, little town meeting there, are socializing. They finally look at her like they've known this girl since she was a kid. So there's no hatred. Like they understand, they feel her pain. And like even though they're mad about the church, they're like that when they see this, they understand this girl's struggling. And that's one of the cool moments in this movie. And it begins to show this is where everything starts turning. Uh, the, you know, the next day, she's moving in with a friend. She's like, okay, I maybe maybe I do need some help. Like, hey. that's what I saw it as. I didn't see it as her conceding. Right. I saw it as her, like, accepting help. Maybe not... Her, maybe not under the ideals that her fiancé wanted and i you said you didn't realize this at first because i i said that they were and she was wearing the ring that she initially had rejected from him but she had the ring on she's just wearing regular like a sweater and jeans kind of outfit yeah she went back to her regular girl time mm-hmm. there wasn't no metal shirts um but when they were talking about the church the priest was there and everybody and they're like you know she's like i'll find a way to pay everyone back she's like well we're not gonna announce what happened we said it was an accident and we're just gonna all collectively rebuild it and so this is them again forgiving her uh if even if you're against christianity or whatever this is this this, is like real christianity this this is what you want when you have christians this is people that said these are no one died you know you know but they understood and you know they're going to help her rebuild it. They said we've taken a collective donation and we're all going to we're all going to pull together. We're going to rebuild the church. It, it's going to be fine. And then she starts like getting emotional realizing like it's okay to ask for help. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's you know, she she realizes that she doesn't have to be this person basically out on an on an island and other people understand what she's going through and I think she you know she's with her parents and she's with her fiance and with the priest and just other people of the town who who care about her too they're just looking at her like what you did isn't good but we're not gonna you know yeah we're not gonna uh, you don't need to go back up to the hunting cabin like It's it's all good. We're we're gonna save face. When you think about just other th- parts of the world or, or even America, like you just you'd probably be in jail. Mm-hmm. Like they, as a small town, said, you know what? We're just we're not gonna do that to you. You're already dealing with enough with your family and your your brother's death that we know this is the catalyst for a lot of this. So, and I think that that kind of made her realize, like you know, maybe I should start letting more people in, and that's when she did start letting in her friend who is now her fiance and she was like okay i want to be happy like the whole time in this movie she doesn't want to be happy well, and and i think that was her first like like dipping well, I, I, her toe in the pool of like well, i, think, I, I, I think want she, to be happy i think she kind of conceded i think she kind of just said you know i've been doing all this stuff uh it's hurting other people that I'm not really intending to hurt because I'm just calling out for help. But now she's like, my best friend, he does like me. He wants to help take care of me. I don't, I can't take care of myself. That's what she's saying. And she can do things. She can milk cows and all this other stuff that she's been doing with her mom and dad. But 
Now she's going to move in with him. She's conceding. She's dressing normal again. I don't even... I don't look at it as conceding. Well, I, I do because... I look at it as she is accepting help. Well, but that's not how I see it totally, though, because there's that moment where her mom is looking at her. She's like, you look very pretty. You got your hair back. I can see your face. And... You know, she says, well, I thought that's what you would want. She's like, well, no, you need to be happy. And then, of course, that's what leads after the rebuilding of the church when they have that little fight in front of the car. She's like, you know, I don't feel for you the way that I should. Like, you're my best friend. I do care for you. I do love you. And I appreciate your help. And he's mad, of course, because, like, he still wants to be married to her, be married to her. And he's like... You know, I just like the music because you did. I wanted to be with you. And she's like, I understand that, but I don't... And she was like, I didn't want... She's like, I'm not trying to force you to be something that you're not. I I get what you're saying, but the reason why I'm saying that I I don't feel like it's a concession, I feel like this entire movie is about her figuring herself out. And at this point, she's at her lowest of low and she understands that people will help her right so she back to what you said about like the mom saying you know you know i just want you to be happy that was another like light bulb in her head but at that point where she realizes like she fucked up and she wants to be with her best friend she was really just like understanding that she needed help it wasn't so much like I'm just going to do this, fuck, whatever. She was really just trying to feel again, you know? And and I think that point when she understood that people do care about her, she was like, all right, I am going to accept this and feel this. And as she's going through that motion, when the mother says... I just want you to be happy. She's like, all right, I am feeling things again, except for more than anger. And she's like, but I am not happy. Like in her brain, she's like, I'm not happy. I'm good. I'm better, but I'm not happy. And everything that she had done for so long had just been like reactionary and rage and, you know, stumbling around drunkenly, whatever. But at that point, when she decided that she was going to accept help and accept love, she didn't know how to handle that. So she was just kind of doing, like, this is how it should be, and everybody's happy now. And then her mother saying, I want you to be happy. Another light bulb for the girl. Does um, that make sense? Am I, or am I just, like... I'm not trying. Okay. Um, now, there is something what Neko brought before where... When she was out in the barn writing her music, uh, she was creating a demo for herself. And On a tape. Drum like machine. Like a little, literal tape. Loved it. Uh, got some extra vocals by the, the cows in there. So she creates her demo uh, for the song Swartz Hamar, I think is what they call it. And um, she sends it out. Now this is before like the church burning and everything else. So she's already sent this copy of this demo out to different magazines and labels and you know just trying to get interest in it uh so after the church burning that she's been 
basically welcome back into the fold, helping out rebuilding the church and stuff. I think she essentially forgot about it. Like it just went out to the to the ether well, yeah, and nothing happened. So then, then we got the three dudes uh, that show up from Norway. These three uh, young gentlemen, long hair, and they, you know, they called her like, at a store. That's how small this town is. Like it doesn't take long for people to find you. Oh, uh, so, she's like. A call for me. Yeah, she's Excuse in the middle of a, like a little store getting some It's just like the, the market, yeah. Yeah, and uh, so she comes back and uh, pilgrims, they call them. Pilgrim? What? She's like, Pil- excuse me? Pilgrim so she shows here? up and three guys are now. These guys are supposed to re- represent Dead, Uranus, and a drummer. I can't remember his name from the band Mayhem because these, these guys are supposed to represent those guys. Uh... And they start talking to her like, yeah, you know, we uh, really loved your demo. We'd like to put that on our label and put that out. And she's like, okay. And then they're like, we just really love your band. You know, it's great. She's like, well, I don't really have a band. It's just me. And they like, they like flabbergasted. They were just, oh my gosh. Yeah. What? That's talent. So it's almost like a Varg moment. She was sort of like just being Varg there for a minute. Uh... So that then shortly after is when she breaks the news to her best friend that like you know I need to follow a different path like I, I am happy for everything you've done for me I love you as a friend uh, but the metal is in my blood and I've got to find a way to channel that into what I do in life like it, it's got to be there because she was she wasn't playing guitar or anything or really listening to music while staying with him it was like she was just being happy homemaker basically knitting on the couch while her grandpa slept and oh and the, the part where he bought her a microwave she's just like okay <laughs> thanks yeah like it wasn't rude it's just like but she's got no interest in it like and he's he, all excited he was so happy about that microwave right. look it's so great you can just heat things up and she's like okay good great so and going back to what neko said earlier uh this fight breaks out in front of the car after they're done kind of working on rebuilding the church. I even actually got the guys from Mayhem to help out. Which created a fear on another guy's article, but I'm, it's getting kind of long in this review, so I'm not going to go break into that. You guys heard me talk about it before. But the fight breaks out in front of the car, and the guys are in the back seat of this car they're in. And they're like, should we really be listening to this? Like, the arguing going out. So they decided to throw in one of the mixtapes that was in the and car. on the tape, it said, like, Metal Mix yeah. uh, 1999 or some shit. Like, it was, it was, or 93, sorry. Yeah, yeah so they started playing. And she playing. had been, Hera had been sending her, her friend all this music. Like, yep. And he even mentioned, thank you for sending the tapes. I've been listening to them. <laughs> sorry, go ahead. So... They pop it in, and the polka music or whatever it is kicks on. They're just kind of left there like, what? <laughs> uh, but shortly after that, uh, it really jumps quickly to where Hera and the guys are going to perform in front of the town now in like their little hall. and uh, Which is interesting because it means that the town is interested in hearing what her music is. Like They're very open to it. They're not necessarily against it they're not like no one's not showing up they're all there the friends yeah and they're there like it's it's this is the part i'm saying like this town although upset about what happened with the church and upset about Hera's like outburst they do still care about her 
so they all show up and they're all in these. They're long, supportive because like she's leaving and the house and the, some of the people from the town are there socializing with mom and dad. Mom's now sitting on dad's lap. It's like a happy occasion. They're kind of joking about her. You know, mom's all excited about her little performance, and Hera's like, "Well, it's only a couple of songs, mom. Chill the fuck out." You know. <laughs> Uh, but then they're like, hey, you want a beer before you go? And she's like, no. So, so she goes, and they're all, you know, they're on stage. And, of course, they start performing Svart Hamar, uh, her song, the main song that she wrote. But it's the actual black metal version. So it's like the... Yeah, the real scratchy vocals. And it's good in its own right. But the, most of the townspeople, in fact, all of them pretty much, except for the... You know, the priest. Uh, everyone is kind of like... It's funny. The priest is about the only one who really got into it initially. But, uh, you know, people are yelling out like, It's too loud! Or, you know, I don't understand what the hell you're saying! Play something Icelandic! So she stops and starts doing the riff for uh, Sweet, Sweet Home, Home Alabama, Alabama from Leonard Skinner. And people I are like, like yeah! What? <laughs> you know, they started getting to it, but the band's not really feeling it. So she stops again. And, and then she kind of like whispers to the band. Yeah, she turns around, and you know this is the the, the key moment in the and why I really fell in love with this movie in general. She starts playing the song again, only she's changed it. Like it starts out more melodic, softer. Uh, the the guys behind her are kind of looking at her like you know what is she doing, you know. Uh, and then of course she starts going into her vocals, but now she's doing it in clean vocals. Like very beautiful, yeah. but still with like the yeah. They start kicking into it, and the drums going, and the guys. These guys are in coarse pants, so that makes it kind of funnier. But, uh, but the way that the song is conveyed, and of course you're reading the lyrics, uh, and the mother, you know, despite trying to understand or grasp the song, is hearing the lyrics. So I just thought that was a key thing that she was starting to understand what her daughter was saying through the music. And uh, everyone else is kind of tapping their foot a little bit. They're getting into it. Uh, her friend's uh, best friend, actually, and the girl that they The grew, other friend that they were with. Uh, they like probably they were getting con- together. They were going to connect, so there's that thing there with that. Uh, the parents, you know, dad's kind of nodding his head. The priest is definitely into it, you know. And it, it almost felt like the parents were proud, like, you know, all of this has come to fruition, and she's starting to take all of her her anger and hate and become herself but not become what she was trying to be as the happy homemaker mm-hmm. and it was it was just really sweet because um there was another that scene what we spoke about earlier with the mother and father and um when he was so concerned that the wife the mother was blaming him for the death and you know Baldor's room was always the same and they kind of decided we're gonna we're gonna change the room we're gonna close we're gonna pack away his stuff and it was a kind of a moving forward moment mm-hmm. yeah they kept it for nine years not even changing mm-hmm. and at one point the father was like we know you need to kind of get the stuff out or maybe make it to a rec room and the mother was like you ain't touching this room yeah don't touch your room but after they kind of resolved their issues and talked it out and finally connected again about why they had been so disconnected from each other and the pain that he was feeling and he thought that she was feeling to him uh, she was finally like, yeah, we kind of need to kind of just start 
you know, keeping them up here and here instead of in the house. Uh, but this, the, the movie ends pretty much after the concert because Hera comes back home. Uh, she walks up to her room and her mother's there on her bed. And, you know, mother reaches out to her and they sit down and, you know, they're having a nice little discussion. But going to your point, the mother says, you know, this is what you've done is kind of like what could have been with Balder. They, they would have expected this with Balder with with because he was the musician at the point that point into the music and you know they, they just she wondered what could have been if Balder survived. Uh, and but then she tells her you know it's we can get past this and Harris kind of like you know at first like I can't you know she's still dealing with that pain and and her mom says no but I think we can and so then her mom gets off the bed goes to the stereo and the Megadeth Symphony of Destruction's on there and you know the mother kind of does her little goofy dance yeah she's dance like dancing very very parent like yeah parent like, no idea anything about the music really just this is her way of now saying we're, I, do, we're doing it for Balder but you're my daughter and I'm going to support you in whatever you're doing. I'm going to have fun doing it. I want to connect with you. Right. So she starts dancing, and Hera's like, uh, I like this. So she's taking off her jacket. They they both start headbanging a little bit, fist pumping. Uh, then Dad walks in. He's smiling. He loves seeing both his wife and his daughter connecting and having fun. So he starts doing crazy things. I was getting emotional. Like, I was yeah. tearing up watching them all dance together because... This movie is not about when you hear a, a movie called Metalhead, you're thinking it's going to be about like oh metal mute. It, it it is, but it's like a backdrop. This movie is about the life Com of emotion. this community. Yeah. Like it, it's yeah, the, the metal's there, but it's really about people healing and dealing with loss and how people can be forgiving like it doesn't matter what if you are like i said if you're anti-christian or not like the thing i can appreciate with the film is when i have to think about people who are christian like you and i have talked before about you know tim tebow represents the best of what christians are because he, he really kind of seems to be the guy that follows that yeah, he walks the walk and talks the talk right so you're seeing this in this community it's like they could easily just kick her out of the fucking town have nothing to do with her send her to the prison uh, just totally blacklist her, but they don't. They they find ways to forgive her. They find ways to say, look, you know, you fucked up, but we're going to help you, you know, get things back on track. And it was, like, so many people. It wasn't just, like, yeah. one person, like, her parents or her friends. It was the entire town was, like, all right, everything sucks. We understand how can we move forward? Like, what yeah. can we do to make this better? And it was kind of eye-opening to me because I have seen so many people who are Christian, as I do the air quotes, and they're just Christian because that's what they say they are. They don't live the life of what you consider a true Christian. For me what this entire town did was just loving and yes there's the church is like the their central like lifestyle but just because 
it's a church doesn't mean that it's like, oh yeah, we're Christian, blah, 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 you're bad, we're good. They really were like, this poor girl, we have to help her, and yeah, we, we understand. And they accept her. Like, yeah. Even, like, even at the end, like, you know, they're like, okay. You're going to do a concert? Sounds, sounds like a plan. Good yeah, they're like, it. you know, okay, so she doesn't really want to be a homebody. She wants to be in her music, so we're going to support that. So, they, they, you know, like I said, that scene where she's walking out of the house, everyone is happy. They're just, the town is happy. The people there are visiting. The parents are happy. You know, they're like, oh, okay, cool, concert. We're going to go check this shit out. You know, they may not even be into the music, but they took the time to listen to what was going on like and like fuck it this at this point this is before she broke up with her fiance she's living with him mayhem staying with the parents yeah. you know like the parents have no idea who these fucking people are and they're like oh yeah we can but i do think they're they're the scene with like print breakfast or whatever they were having uh i think the mother for sure seeing these three longer dudes just reminded of her son so that she was kind of like happy to have them there it was like a really exciting thing for her uh now like i said that article i'd read some time ago about the review that was it was a really good review both pros and cons but the guy got hung up too much on what he thought was a lack of historical accuracy in terms of what mayhem would actually do there and i'm like i get it I understand it. The but guys this is also have, fiction. Right. It, it, you just got to kind of suspend disbelief a little bit here and just take this for more of a, a movie about interpersonality between uh, a daughter and her family and the town community. Like, it's more about that than the actual metal that's involved in it. That's just sort of the outlet that she was using. So, mm-hmm. <clears throat> highly rated. Uh, my favorite metal movie at this point now uh it just has so many great things and what makes it great is because it is a fictional movie um a lot of the metal things that we watch when it's fictional is very degrading of the metal community um when we watch documentaries we feel like a lot of them are very good there's lots of information but to take something a work of fiction and make it I mean, it was a beautiful movie. Yeah. I, I thought it was. And I I know I, I got... I mean, we've been talking about this for, what, like 40 minutes? I loved this movie. Um, and it's... That's why I wanted to wait, because it was worthwhile, and I knew you'd enjoy it, so... What really sucks, though, is you bought the DVD, and it's not... It's not in English. Yeah, uh, for whatever reason... Um, the DVD I got, it does have, like, German language or, or Swedish or something, or even the Icelandic, whatever. Uh, but it doesn't have English subtitles. So we, it was still on Canopy, so we were able to go back and watch it on there where it is English. Now, there may be regular DVDs out there. Like, I bought the Blu-ray, but I had to buy a new Blu-ray player that would actually play it. I know. He got the, the multi-region Blu-ray yeah. player. So, but I've solved that issue now because now the Devils that we did a review for, I can actually watch that through the DVD instead of ripping it to a USB or whatever. So, solved that problem with that. All right. All right. Back to the music. Here's uh, Hill provided by Grand Sounds Promotions. And we're going to kick it off and we're going to get ready to close this motherfucker up.
about penises at this point in my life were that they were these noodly things that hung between a guy's legs, they pee from them, and you shouldn't look at your cousin JD's when you guys are getting changed to go swimming. Like, that's all the information I had about penises. And now, one's gonna go in my mouth? Okay, I knew that sex was a thing, a penis would go in my vagina someday, but that was, it's my vagina. Like, I don't have taste buds down there, or whatever. <laughs> Like, stick whatever you want down there. I can't taste it, okay? So I was like, who cares about my vagina? But my mouth, that's where candy goes. Like, I can't believe you would put a dick there. I was devastated. And you, like, you, you kind of go, maybe I don't have to do it. Maybe it's something that not every girl does. And then you realize it's kind of your destiny as a woman. Like, you're gonna do it. You know what I realized you have to do it is when I found out it was one of the bases. Because I, I knew home plate was sex and if I ever wanted to have sex because I wanted to, I don't know, make a family someday, I was going to have to, you can't skip a base. If you want kids, you're going to have to suck some dicks on the way to those kids. That's the last thing my kids want me doing.
Close out this edition of the Hordes of Chaos, episode 168. I want to thank everyone for tuning in and checking us out. Welcoming back Neko into the fold. Any last words? Don't do drugs. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Don't be a Johnny Depp and Amber Heard. Don't do drugs. I mean, I, I, I'm really happy to be home. As much as I like my job, you know... Being home, maybe that's why I, I enjoy being home. Like, I'm like, oh, I appreciate being home. But I've been really happy the last couple of days just spending time with you and, you know, literally just sitting in our recliners. Lean back. Mm-hmm. Lean, Lean back. back. Lean back. If we, uh, we've had some good times over the last couple of days, and I feel like, I don't know. I feel like I'm just trying to squeeze as much fun as I can. I I am so happy I'm not going into the office for like a while. So there's that too. I um but I've had a really good time today and I'm really happy we watched that movie Metalhead together because you already watched it but like I think after you saw it you knew how much I would love it. Like it's got it's 
kind of got like my my trifecta without football so my duofecta because I I really love that movie Silver Linings Playbook and it was it's you know about mental health so when you see somebody who just connects with metal but it's it's not about like it's metal is not the forefront it's like metal is yes thank you I've been I mean I don't know I have a thousand things to say I thought we'd have more time to talk today but he's like that's it it's done we're on the clock fuck off y'all I um I want to thank everyone for welcoming welcoming me back I I you know, I, I did post on Facebook, like, while I'm flying home and stuff, and I've been trying to get in touch with family and friends to be like, hey, yeah, let, let's hang out and stuff, but I haven't even been home a week. I literally have been home four days, so I'm trying as hard as I can, you know, to squeeze as much fun as I can, and we have just have so much to do. We're going to be going shopping for some outfits for a wedding, and... You know, yeah. we just have a lot to do. Um, what are we doing tomorrow? I think Probably I'm gardening. some music for me. I think I'm gardening. I'm going to hit up Home Depot and get some mulch and maybe some pretty flowers. I, uh, I am really happy to be home. I know I keep telling you that, and I just, I do love you. We're I, happy to have you back. Thank you. Got one last track for you all. Road Mutant from the exit. From the dirt, excuse me. From the exit? Where did you get that? I think I need need glasses. I do too. Oh my God, do I need new glasses? We're going to have to put that on our list too. Thanks all. See you next time.
Stop the 